0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is.
1: So I think if you look at this movie very broadly and you look at our podcast very broadly, there's a lot of similarities. There is one malevolent queer (laughs) who causes just constant chaos to the other person who lives in the home or at least like visits the home who happens to be a woman. And I just think that it's a really special thing that this podcast has and that this film has that, you know, we have these two similar things running in tandem with each other
0: i was just gonna kind of let you run that one into the ground i'll keep going okay <laughs> no, so no no don't. we
1: record in burbank <laughs> per you know mm-hmm phil burbank mm-hmm Look at this. I couldn't get over... I don't over know. Jane Campion.
2: <laughs> the fact that a If you last want a sequel,
1: you could do it about the podcast, The Power of the Queer Quadrant. The
0: Power of the Pod, mm-hmm. one might say.
1: What do you think? Yes? Uh, I feel like you're about to uh, poison me with anthrax. Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> we're, we're moving that <laughs> great, in that great. way. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Is it a four quadrant blockbuster? What is a four quadrant blockbuster? How has is it the a definition. How? Of before Quadrant of Blockbuster changed over mm. the years, these are questions that we will answer because I feel like anyone who clicks on this episode is like, mm, mm. I don't know, guys, but we we've come prepared.
1: Look, I think that we have done sweatier things
0: before, so I think <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I totally agree. It's gonna yeah. be great. It's like
1: we're you know we're out. With our lasso trying to gather mm-hmm. different films and like we got this one. It's really it. difficult. It's really far out there on the ranch, but we captured it. But well, we captured it and we're yes. gonna talk about it. Yes.
0: Hi, I'm Brick Solomon. Hello,
1: Jordan Burbank
0: love it. Jordan, the <laughs> Burbank Gustafson. Gustafson. I mean, we are in Burbank, so like...
1: Jordan, Bronco, Henry Gustafson. Gustafson. Is that better? Yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty good. I feel like I do actually maintain a Bronco Henry level uh, of the podcast where I just Definitely. exist like a ghost, <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> a malevolent
0: force yeah, in the background. Yeah. And we are joined, we are talking... 2021's The Power of the Dog, if you haven't already guessed. And we are joined by the campion, champion uh writer for Little White Lies and many
2: other wonderful outlets. It's Laura Venning. We're so lucky to have you here. Thank you so much. What a a lovely intro. Um my reputation precedes me. A little bit like Bronco Henry, and I love it. Like that level of mystique. And grandeur, mm-hmm. I'm I'm mm-hmm. massively into it. Thank you so much. <laughs> what would you
1: say your like crown would be as champion? Champion? Is it like a nice like if, if if it was like from this movie? Would it be made out of like little flowers or would it be made out of like some I wheat? Don't know, some perhaps? Wheat? Mm. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, maybe some castrated I mean, like, cows. <laughs> to... Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Just yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking. Je- I mean, genuinely, like you could do a piano keys thing because obviously a, a piano, yeah. yes. a big part of this film, and mm-hmm. we all know that we all know and love the pianos, So Jane um, loves men yeah. who
1: move pianos. It's like her favorite thing.
2: She- don't we all love that's true pianos you know it's um it's very funny that the piano is a very pivotal part of this film as well yeah yes she loves the the things
0: (laughs) it's great i feel like not only because the piano in this movie are probably her two most culturally recognized Mm -hmm. movies to date um but like they have like a lot of really interesting similarities between them obviously like you know, I the Jane Campion vibe of film is already, I think, like I mean, she's a notory. You know when you're watching a campion movie. Um, but I was really surprised and excited by the parallels, I think, between the piano and the power of the dog. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna talk all about it. I'm so excited. Laura, I have to know, as a Campion champion, what what were your, like, thoughts coming into this movie initially back before we had to endure mm. this, like, 10-month-long award season run of what this thing was doing? Oh, God,
2: yeah. It's so hard to think back to, like, because, you know, I'm I'm like, are people listening to this episode going to be like, I'm so sick to death of hearing about this <laughs> film? I'm just like... <laughs> And, you know, uh, for reference, we're recording, what, like two weeks after the Oscars? Two, two or
0: weeks? three, yeah. What, uh, is, t-
1: what is time? You know, like in this movie, it's time jumps in many different ways. I feel similarly like yeah. that now.
0: <laughs> It'll be coming out about a month after the Oscars. So I think yeah. just in time for, mm-hmm. maybe maybe the buzz won't have died down, but like. I don't know. We, when we were planning this episode, we were like, it's either going to be a celebration of all the awards it won or like uh, a Justice for the Power of the Dog episode. Uh, so I guess now we it's know. It's now the which ladder. <laughs> one it's ladder be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: no. Well, when I... When was it? So last summer... Um, actually, cute story. I was in a bookshop and I was wearing my Jane Campion t-shirt. I have a car for it. It's one of my Wonderful. Jane Campion t-shirts. And the guy who worked there like ran up to me really excited and was like, Oh my god, I love Jane Campion I was like, Great, this is lovely when this happens because it has happened before when I'm wearing like some like nerdy t shirt, you know. Um and he was like, Oh, you know, she's um adapting this book, The Power of the Dog and I was like, Oh yeah, I know it I'm really excited about it. It's really exciting that she's making a, another film again after doing T V for a few years and he was like, It's my favourite book ever. I'm gonna run and get a copy right now and you need to read the first paragraph and either you'll love it or Or you'll want to run away from me. And I'm like, great, cool, okay. So this guy, like, yeah, I was like, oh, God, this guy's a bit intense. Also, this is quite sweet. We'll see what happens. And, like, the first paragraph of the book, it literally, the first sentence is about, like, it's the description of the castration of the bulls. Which, like, is, does feature in the film, but, like, well past the, like, midpoint. Whereas the first line of the book is something like, Phil always castrated the bulls first and then there's like this really visceral description of like it's just so incredible gross and Great. Intense, but I was like you know what yeah I'm gonna get this book yeah. um and so I so I did read it last summer and I thought it was so like gripping and like evocative like really intense like sense of place and also like but kind of similar to the film in the sense we are like well going like mm-hmm. what how is this gonna play out like it's it's quite like slow moving and you know it kind of like simmers for a long time um
1: would you say that it's savage
2: it's I'm a sorry. little savage i'm sorry it's i'm pretty pretty damn sorry savage. Oh, i'm like pissed off at myself and not not
1: it's damn, okay damn, you shouldn't be you shouldn't Wait. be yeah um, no
2: no okay i am but maybe i shouldn't be yeah um but and then i saw it at the London Film Festival in uh October. Oh and yes. was like and it was like a press screening which like started at nine AM. It was like nine AM on a Monday, I'd taken the oh day off God. work so I could go <laughs> see this film and I had to like, you know, like the press screenings in London or the Film Festival it's not crazy, you have to like queue up really early in the morning to get yeah. in. So it was like ah the level of like adrenaline and for me was super exciting. But like it was just like an incredible experience um there is part of me that's like oh i kind of wish i'd gone in not knowing how it was gonna end because mm. obviously this film has such a like reveal although on the other hand the way the reveal is done in the book is so cool because it's like it's basically the last sentence reveals that it was anthrax like literally right. the last sentence and then you're just like ah fuck oh my god and then like that. there's no more like yeah that's a wonderful rules shit. yeah 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 so it's like, I, I, I can't... I don't have the experience of coming to the film with, with like no knowledge of where it was going. But it's a pretty close adaptation, I would say. Yeah, yeah. How about yeah. you guys?
0: I Well, I, I think you're the only one between the three of us who has read the novel. Although I really want to. I But I definitely wanted to experience the film first because basically as soon as this screened initially and I saw, I don't know, I think one tweet that was like, Jane Campion's new homoerotic Western. And I was like add to watch list <laughs> book Hello. tickets Hello. let's go yes. um you're famously one of the biggest
1: champions thinking. of what if cowboys but gay yeah, I am the a, genre i
0: am a famous western enjoyer in yes. general i love westerns they are a very tricky little genre that maybe for good reason don't really get appreciated but i think like are dealing with so many interesting themes. And so I think one of the best ways to explore those themes is what if cowboys, but gay. And I I agree. Yes. (laughs) It's like, it's so, it's so interesting to me. Whenever a genre is able to sort of like, re-explore the bones of like what made it popular in the first place but like through an entirely different lens and like deconstruct some of that I feel the same about like westerns that dig into like colonialism and like all of that stuff it's so interesting um anyway so I was very excited I saw this in a theater because I was like it looks fucking beautiful I'm not watching this on my tv screen at home I so I went when it had its unlimited theatrical run and I saw it before Jordan Maybe the only time that has ever happened. Wow. Not
1: really? Yeah. Wow. I think I was out of town. Yeah. Running a marathon. That's the only reason. Jordan's Cattling. A, Jordan's a I was big on the like frontier.
0: Thursday night, <laughs> Friday night, yes, no, like opening weekend. Book beat me to the punch. Yeah. And I'm usually like, I'll see it the week after, unless it's something that I know is going to get spoiled for me immediately. But for this one, I was like right on the money. Um, And it was incredible. I think that even though it had been built up so much, for mm. me, and I was very nervous that it was going to exceed my expectations. It's just such like in a well thought out and like well constructed movie um, that it's so enjoyable to watch. Especially if you're like in a theater, you're very locked in. Like you can look at all the beautiful images. I just think it's it's basically a perfect movie in my opinion. So I was very happy that it lived up to and in many ways exceeded my expectations. I have nothing bad to say about it. But you also wow. saw it in a theater, didn't you? I have not. <laughs> oh, you no. didn't? So
1: I've not seen this in a theater. But I... So basically, we had talked about this movie, obviously, like, the summer leading up, as you said, kind of like when we found out about it, because we both famously like our big Brokeback stance, which also ties into this movie, because, like, throughout, oh, yes. obviously, oh, the production, God, like, yeah. Jane talked to um, the writer of Brokeback, but also, like, there's a lot of similar themes, famously, as we said, sort of on our League of Their Own episode. Uh, like, yeah. a big thing of mine that I love is, like, when... Similarly, like with westerns, you like dig into Americana, but like from a queer POV and look at it and analyze like how that deconstructs, you know, throughout the American dream and all that fun stuff. But long story short, leading up to this movie, I watched like all the Campions to kind of like get to know her because I hadn't seen anything, I think, at all. Because you
0: hadn't even seen the piano, I hadn't even seen the piano. Um, <laughs> don't. <laughs> the way he says
1: the piano in this, how can you not say the piano?
0: Okay, I'll just say really quickly that's one of my favorite, like, Benedict Cumberbatch affectations because you yes. know that he knows damn well that it's not pronounced like that because he's a Yale man. And mm-hmm. I feel like it, that's, like, one of like the, like, specific yes. affects that he puts on that I think is so funny. Because um, it's, like, the only word that he intentionally mispronounces. Anyway, we'll um, have to do, we'll, we'll get gonna back do to, like, that.
1: a seven hour. Deep dive onto, I feel like just him and his casting yeah, and the line deliveries <laughs> because it's truly yeah. like the biggest galaxy brain thing in the world.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to get into that, especially because I feel like the perspective of like a Brit, literally, yes. Like, yes, because I mean, we'll get into it, but like Brooke know, is a Tumblr girl. I am. Oh, I mean, same, same, same. same <laughs> so love so. It. We'll, get, we'll get into it. Yeah, um, Amazing. But, yeah, sorry, please. No, please no,
1: this, back is imp- to your, that yeah. was, this is important. No, but long story short, <laughs> it's like I kind of. Like, watched all of her stuff building up to it, and I wasn't necessarily sure what to expect because I feel like obviously like I'd known about the piano. Holly is like truly one of my queens. I worship at her feet. And so watching that movie was shocking because she doesn't say anything. And Even you're like, oh, that's the m- poem. My favorite voice in the entire world. And she says nothing. But I like definitely loved, like, liked the piano a lot, found in the cut super engrossing. But the one that like honestly kind of knocked my socks off in the least shocking twist of all time is bright star, which I think is maybe a perfect movie. It's so romantic and gutting and tragic. And I like was pretty much sobbing at the end of it, which is kind of a mark of me of how much I connect to something as if I'm crying. So Bright star like blew me away. So I was definitely excited for this. And the first watch, I thought it was great, obviously. And, upon rewatch it sort of cemented it as a masterpiece and I think is much better on rewatch and I think probably maybe subsequent rewatches than the first watch because while I don't think it's confusing or anything you're sort of like trying to pick up on where it's going but once you know Kind of what the ending is, as sort of as you might have from reading the book, they tell you in like minute two, like, this is the movie, and then you're just watching how it unfolds, which is much more engaging than if it's just like trying to parse through the story, you know?
2: Yeah, it's so interesting, like, the whole, the whole discussion about like the ending is confusing or like you know the google you google power the dog and there's like a million i mean to be fair ending explained every movie ending explained i'm like um but you know and like this idea that it's like a twist ending i'm like it's not a twist ending like it's not that that's not what a twist is that's just a thing that happens that's just a shocking development like it's not (laughs) it's not a twist it's just Um yeah, my dad did did text me like, Oh, I watched I watched the Jane Campion film, The Western. It was great, but I didn't really understand the ending. I was like, Oh no. Come on. <laughs> Apparently I did read a thing that was like I think it, maybe it was in the script or they'd initially planned the like literally the last shot of the film, because they were worried it wasn't gonna be clear enough, was gonna like the camera was gonna like move over um to reveal like the page in like Peter's medical book. <laughs> whatever and like anthrax and it's like no like i'm so and even jane campion was like well, no we're not doing that it's too obvious circle bold like, yeah, underline. underlined yeah exactly like yeah it, you know i think this film does a really good job but not you know it kind of leads you down the path like it leads you along but it's not too it's not heavy on exposition it's actually a pretty light touch and there's a lot that you can kind of infer about the characters but isn't kind of she kind of trusts you to like, we don't need to know everything immediately yeah. about who these people are and how they relate to each other and how they've ended up where they are. And, you know, um, and that's just, I feel like, epitomized of being like, no, we're not going to end the movie with a shot of the fucking book saying fucking anthrax. Like, if you were listening... And they drop it in, like, five or six times. That's the thing. You know? They say it quite yeah. a bit. Yes. It's, um, like, yeah. <laughs>
1: <there's> like <laughs> yeah. three things they say. It's, like, anthrax, I love my mom and I'll do anything to protect her, and Bronco Henry. Bronco That's, like, Henry. the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was so into all the Bronco Henry memes, and like my one, the one sad thing about award season being over is that like we're probably seeing the last of Bronco Henry, Bronco Henry mm. content for a while. I think Maybe Bronco Henry around will around, always
1: have a, a strong grip <laughs> on us.
0: Did you bring any prepared Bronco Henry material? I don't know about, about like material, but Bronco I just Henry. think that
1: Bronco Henry, you know, is just a force that we have to understand. We have to cheers every time we say Bronco Henry's name. Take we a have shot, shot for Bronco, Bronco Henry. Henry. <laughs> Um, that would be honestly. I'm shocked there wasn't like a Bronco Henry drinking game that was released. Like, anytime you, they say Bronco Henry, hey, you do a shot or take a sip this, or something. You
0: take a sip every time they say Bronco Henry, and yeah, you will you're probably uh, dead? But no, yeah. I actually think if you do it with a sip, you could get pleasantly buzzed mm. by the end of this movie.
2: If you like do Kirsten it, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah <laughs> just like wandering around in the grass, like holding her hands up in front of her face. Oh, I,
0: wait,
1: actually, I do have a question for the two of you. What was your, or at least, I don't know, what is like the Netflix icon for Power of the Dog for you? Because mine is uh, Dunst smiling like jovially and like outside <laughs> in, in like her cowboy getup. And I'm like, this is not what the movie is. And I, I don't know say, why that's the marketing for me.
2: Your dem- your demographic is being like wildly misled, clearly. Yes. So, Yeah. Mine is actually, interestingly, because I, I literally watched it earlier today, mine is um Cody Smith McPhee looking really evil with the rope coming across his face. I'm like, oh, oh that man, what I say about me? Yeah, yeah, but like, check now, evil gay remember. shit? I'm like, yeah, great. Like, yeah, we love <laughs> the evil gay shit. I'm
0: going to look it up again because I assume it hasn't changed from like yesterday. Um, it is oh, Cody Smith McPhee, also looking evil. Why do so I, there I we go have happy Kirsten Dunst? That makes no sense. Clearly, <laughs> you're Netflix taste. But I do oh, have, okay. I okay. have happy Kirsten when you like click on to okay. play it. Um, so uh, I don't okay. know. Thank God. I don't know. Um, I guess we all learned something about ourselves today. Clearly. I do. They were <laughs> like, you loved the
1: movie Dick with Kirsten Dunst from the 90s. So here you go.
0: <laughs> if there was a search term on Netflix, that was like, give me evil game movies i would be using it on a regular basis yes. like that's my favorite genre of movie as you know is absolutely gays but crime crime absolutely and evil and <laughs> be, be gay, psychosexual yeah. games yes it's it's the best yeah. it's the best um i have to ask i'm sure you get this question all the time but do you have a favorite champion mm. or is it like picking a favorite child
2: no i think like i do get asked this quite a lot um i think i mean one of the reasons that i just i love joe Campaign's work so much is that like i saw the piano when i was like 15 oh my and... god pivotal yeah <laughs> you're like harvey <laughs> Keitel. Thinking... oh my god <laughs> yeah i know i know and i think like i like i don't know if this was everything in the u.s but in the uk there was a long period where newspapers used to give out free dvds like at the weekend in like a little sleeve they what? don't do it what anymore the obviously That's
0: yeah uh, yeah
2: It was actually really fun, because, you know, you would get a free DVD every week, and, like, usually it was, like, a pretty shit quality DVD, but, like, you know, we've still got some at home at my parents' house, you know, we've got, like, Cabaret, and, like... What? I can't even... Yeah, yeah, like, Kat, you just got it free in the newspaper every week, and, like, probably most of them ended up in landfill in the end, which is a bit sad, but, like, we kept quite a lot of ours, and one time it was the piano, and I remember my mum being like, oh, yeah, there's that film... I don't really know what it's about. It's like a period drama. It's got (laughs) nice music in it. So I was like, okay. Because, you know, I watched a lot of period dramas with my parents. So we sat down and watched this. And I was like, oh my God. That (laughs)
1: is a certain type of period
0: drama for sure. Yeah, no, I think that, like... Yeah, exactly. That is such a good, honestly, like, that's such a good, like, little hyper example of, like, how film I don't want to say film criticism but like film literacy has like evolved in the years between like The Piano and The Power of the Dog because they're both sort of pitched as these like rather arch period pieces mm. like you know like eh, how bad could they be it's like basically your standard period piece and then neither of them are at all um and I think that that's really interesting we'll talk about that but uh, please finish your yeah, story Yeah yeah yeah
2: no exactly. no you're so right like they definitely are like like such a pair those two um but uh what was i gonna say yeah and i think i was just like so freaked out by the intense sexuality of the whole thing like me being 15 and not really like like, being very very british about the whole thing um but when i was at university studying film top of the lake the first Mm, series of the tv detective drama that she did was on and i ended up writing my undergraduate dissertation on it because i just became completely obsessed with it. it it really like shaped so much of how I thought about film criticism it kind of reignited like I'm super interested in New Zealand cinema and like Australian cinema as well to a lesser extent but like it's just so fascinating to me so you know I think the piano would probably still I don't know because recently I've actually become such a fan of um, An Angel at My Table Mm -hmm. which is this much longer yeah much longer film very long in the the early 90s yeah it's like originally made for TV so it's like three hours long and like split into multiple like sort of episodes Um, I just think it's so gorgeous and it's quite it's quite different from her other work in that it's it's quite understated it's quite Mm. like it doesn't have the kind of slightly overblown like kind of gothic melodrama of a lot of her films it doesn't really have that psychosexual element but i think it's like an incredibly beautiful like mature story and it's like an incredible portrayal of like childhood and adolescence and like growing pains and like the process of writing um
1: i love in that movie it's like the my it's like the dumbest thing but my favorite part of that movie is when the guys are running up the hill to her because it's like they're so out of breath to, to like to tell yeah, her this so thing good. and it's just such a simple quite like they could have been anywhere but like the fact that she just frames it as as them just like chugging up this huge hill is so funny and like just quaint i don't know i it was just like the best part of that movie at least for me and like a movie that's like very good and not about that but it just like rings in my head as something weird
2: (laughs) that what it's true (laughs) but she's so good at like weird little funny touches yeah. in like ways you don't expect like i mean the example for me in power of the dog and like i'm sure maybe, maybe you've had a different moment but for me it's like the moment when like peter has like he's been like humiliated at this <laughs> yes. at this dinner <laughs> in the restaurant at the very beginning and he goes outside and Cassandon's, you know, roses his- to his mother is just like, oh no, like, you know, clearly feeling so painful. It comes to him outside hula hooping in the middle of the night. It's amazing. Yeah. Angrily hula hooping. It's-, it's Yeah, for like less than ten seconds. It's so good. <laughs> it's a wonderful moment. I also love the it's so good.
0: The moment when Jesse Plemons like comes back to sort of talk to Rose the next day and isn't really sure what to do with himself, and he just starts reading the label on like that. Sauce. I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
2: god, he's like a pleasant sauce for fish, meat, and like just, it's <laughs> oh, so and vegetables. cute.
0: Mm. <laughs> yes,
2: this but, movie is
1: funny though. Like, it's really funny. I think farming. that like a lot of people are like, this is so dark, and like obviously this it's like a horror movie, obviously. But there's like so many funny bits, specifically also about like Benedict's character. Like it's hard not to laugh at him, which is, I think, what makes it such a good performance because it's just like everyone else knows that he's kind of being performative. We, the audience, know he's being performative. So when he's like bathing in mud or just like being his tough guy but you're like, lol look at this fucking loser I
0: mean there's a reason that <laughs> yeah. the Bronco Henry memes were so right. widespread because like the specter of Bronco Henry is obviously <laughs> very personal to Phil but yes. like as a character in the movie is really hilarious because yeah. nobody will shut the fuck up about him
2: <laughs> yeah and it's like so good that they didn't there was never like a temptation to be like we'll do flashbacks of like, <laughs> young Phil and Bronco Henry like we'll show Bronco Henry's like you know clearly like the horrible death you know like no 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 he's got to be a ghost he's got to be a mystery he's got to like stand in for the myth of like what the wild West and masculinity mm-hmm. like he can't he can't really exist because it just completely ruins like the myth Yes,
0: exactly. And that's like, it's so smart. And that like the American West and like you said, like the the structure of like Americana masculinity is a myth. Like it's just that like it's this this like presentation that everyone has like put upon society, but it doesn't really exist Mm. off mic. We were talking about the time period that this film takes place in, which is the 1920s, which is crazy because you're like the West ceased to exist after the motor was invented, which is not true. But I think that, like... This wait what do you mean so
1: the, <laughs> the west just didn't disappear off
0: the map of in America that's crazy <laughs>
1: Pangea style
0: um I think it's it's so smart to set this at kind of like a time when the west is like shrinking mm-hmm. and disappearing yeah. like the you're seeing the changeover the cars from like mm. uh analog to machinery I guess yeah. <laughs> I don't know that's not <laughs> that's not correct but you know what I mean the Horse, silent era to the talkies to car the horseless yeah, yeah. carriage um <laughs> and it's like it i think it really nicely mimics like the phil peter relationship mm. and that it's like you feel yourself as like the symbol of masculinity as a symbol of like what it means to be an american what it means to be a cowboy like being usurped by younger mm-hmm. like newer people who understand themselves better than like you could ever understand right. yourself like perform yeah, taken taken. Like... By... sorry yeah yeah, yeah no, i was not.
2: gonna say i kind of feel like the what what's clearly happening is that like Obviously, Phil is kind of um, trying to shape Peter into being a version of himself, as Bronco Henry did with him. But then there's also, like, very clear, like, Phil tells Peter, like, Bronco Henry didn't learn to ride until he was your age. So, like, much older. So, like, there's this really long, like, extension of, like, you know, this, like, cyclical thing. Um, and Peter just cuts that off. Like, it's yes. like, no, not inheriting it. Like yes. we're ending this. We're ending this here, and it's um, like you know, to the point where you like you actually feel quite sorry for Phil in the end. I think it's yeah. a yeah. tragic downfall. You're like that 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 evil that evil little twin got you in the end, and um, <laughs> you know, you didn't see it coming. It's it's it, it. You know, he is such a tragic a tragic figure. Um, yeah, I was reading yeah. an interview actually with Benedict Cumberbatch where he was like, "Oh, so many people said to me." Like, oh, I couldn't watch your film because you were just so horrible in it. So they obviously just, like, stopped in, like, the first half. I'm like, no, you'll feel differently oh by the God. end, you know. <laughs> it is a it is a tragic fall, you know, tragic, tragic story. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: that's, like, not to, like, spoil my oh. queer quadrant rating or anything or, like, Go big ahead. picture thoughts. But because it's directly based on that, it's, like, I think that's my biggest takeaway is sort of, like, how the closet and, like, what the idea of, like, American masculinity can do to you in, like, repression because it's basically just the different forms and the way it, like, affects the different men in this. So it's basically, like, Mm -hmm. it turns Cody into, like, a killer. It turns Phil into, like, this malevolent monster. And, like, at the end of the day, it's just, like, how can these forms of masculinity and, like, queerness exist if they're, like, stuck within the confines of the closet and they aren't allowed to sort of be themselves? And as we were saying earlier, like, ultimately cody's character is like this younger you know for today like this more comfortable in his queerness but ultimately he's still forced to be in the closet and like what that Mm -hmm. does to a character where he like out of protecting his mother like he will kill someone
0: i just think is interesting because like i think that's really interesting that that's the read you have because i per i don't feel like he feels constrained by this idea of the closet that like him needing to protect his mother and his like potential sexuality are obviously like in conversation with each other, but that like his sociopathy is not born Mm. out of like his relationship with his sexuality. But I feel like that's why this is like one of the many reasons why it's such a good movie is like, there's no one right way to read the character um, Mm -hmm. motives. I don't think.
1: Like you never even really know when he decides to even like, kill phil it like kind of just like happens as we were saying earlier with time like time is so kind of you're not sure how long. And, like loose in this movie so like yeah. eventually you kind of pick up that upon rewatch you're like oh he's like doing a little something something but you're like never sure like is it the first time he lays eyes on phil and when like he moves in and fills a monster is it right towards the end like when does the seed sort of get planted that he's going to kill him is it when he kills the bunny you know it's kind of yeah. it leaves it for you to think about, which I think is so interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's probably why, like, it's interesting. I'd completely forgotten about this movie that it's split into those, like, chapters. Yeah. Um, Seemingly, or slightly, not exactly randomly, like, they do obviously cover, like, sort of movements. It definitely maybe adds to the sense of, like, kind of like when you're reading a novel sometimes you you lose you don't have much of a sense of how much time has passed and you know you've got you've slightly got the measure of like okay well Peter's gone away to like boarding school and now he's back so I guess this is like the holidays or whatever you know um but yeah it is interesting that it is split into those into those sections um but yeah I think it really like it helps you kind of map the kind of Yeah, all of these different elements that, like, swirl together.
0: Yeah, I think, like, not to spoil my big picture thoughts, but, like, my main, like, thesis takeaway from this movie and why I think it's, like, so brilliant is that it is dealing with themes of homophobia and, like, homoeroticism, um, like, together in conversation with each other in sort of, like, this split way where, like, the first half of the movie is a lot about, like, homophobia and, like, self-repression, but then, like, the second half of the movie, like, turns into this, like, much more homoerotic relationship, um, and I think, like, what is so smart is that Campion lets, like, and, you know, Thomas Savage, like, from the book, like, has these two queer or queer-coded characters, like, really be in control of, like, how they're using those narratives, because mm. I think like a lot of period pieces that have queer themes, either involve a lot of external conflict, like oh we're being pulled apart because of the times and homophobia, or have this sort of like sorry. you know what I mean, yeah, <laughs> the, um, times, oh, uh, the times, oh, the times, the bad past bad. history. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, But then also, like, the other, the other option for that is to have, like, this sort of self-destructive, like, self-hatred that's, like, born out of self-inflicted homophobia that, like, wrecks you as a person. Like, I even think there's a little bit of that in Brokeback Mountain, even though I also think that that's a perfect movie, and I love that movie. But, mm. like, in this film, like, Phil and Peter are never like, together as a unit are never not in control of what they're doing, even though, like, obviously, like, control slips, but it's it's their story, and, like, there's never a sense that, like, even though, like, As a whole, it's dealing with, okay, you can't be gay at this period in history, like, especially in this ranch lifestyle that you've built. It remains, like, very, very laser focused on the two of them and how they, like, personally choose to deal with that as opposed to, like, how other people are dealing with it, like, for them. Um, And I think that that is a small distinction that's like really powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Powerful of the dog. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Barb, bar. totally.
1: I think that's like a super good read. And I, I feel like that's what's so fascinating about this movie is there's so many ways to like analyze it and look at it. And there's no way that's like wrong or right. It's sort of just like a conversation with like you and queerness and masculinity, which is such a rarity for a movie like this. Like you had mentioned Brokeback Mountain. That's what I was thinking, where it's like, oh, no. Homophobia. Yeah. And uh, it's like, yeah. obviously, like, I love that movie so much. Yeah, but so much that of that movie. movie is like, really, like, they aren't allowed to be together because of like the times. Yes. And while this like, movie obviously <laughs> has that, it's less about these characters can't be with each other because of the time. And it's much more like this internalized yeah. psycho, you know, in psycho. What's it it like, is psychosexual. Yeah. It's like psychosexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's phenomenal the way that it digs in there. And then how that obviously then relates to all the other characters too and like how they're internalized homophobia all their internalized stuff then spews out and affects everyone else throughout the picture you know
0: yeah it's good yeah no totally it's
2: like this movie is not like not even remotely close to a forbidden romance movie which like obviously like you're like no 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 it's like there's nothing romantic about this movie really um or at least except bronco henry and phil that is that's true like forever forever and ever (laughs) um yeah it's just like i guess in some level it's just like oh wow internalized homophobia and self-hatred just wrecks everyone else's life because it kind of like it just like spirals out of phil and you know it's um george is obviously like a very very different masculine presence. Yeah, and but it's so interesting. I was literally when I was rewatching it today. I was rewatching it with my girlfriend, and they were like, "Oh, um, it's so interesting how because it was their second time seeing it, so it's like their first rewatch." They're like, "Oh, like look at how often like Phil tries to connect with people, but gets like shut down." And that's like quite actually quite early on in the film. Like even though, and you know, he gets shut down because he's so cruel. But it's amazing the number of times he reaches out, then gets shut down and then like lashes out, like particularly the scene when he's at the top of the stairs. Yes. Mm. And he's like, What you know, he's like, Where have you where have you been? to George, like, Oh, you've been to see Mrs. Gordon, oh you know, and then he's like, Oh, remember all of those women that our parents used to bring up here as like prospective wives, you know? And he's like, clearly wants this to be like a nice moment where they can like laugh together about and you know, obviously like it's quite cruel and nasty, like he's being horrible about these women. Um but George, like, just absolutely isn't having it, and you can see this, like, this his kind of face falls, and, like, there's so much rejection of Phil, even though, like, he's sort of, like, ostensibly, like, king of the castle. Like, yeah. you know, like, especially, obviously, when George, like, you know, when George... Um starts kind of trying for a bit of independence mm. and is like, yeah, I'm not gonna sleep in this weird like child bedroom set up with you anymore. Yeah. Like the twin bed thing when they live in that like not huge house is just like such a great touch. Yeah, yeah. And like that whole sequence when Rose first comes back to the ranch and like they lock the door. Like there's a whole thing in the book about the significance of like this bathroom that's in between the two bedrooms like it's quite that's quite extended in the in the book but this kind of symbol of just like i'm i'm locking you out like i i have this different thing now and you will never experience it mm. you know because you're gay like right. and you will never know you'll never be able to have this connection with someone at least like you know like officially um and you can see it like all of this just like fuels his just like rage and vindictiveness. Mm-hmm. And- yeah oh it's so
0: good even though it is like a a gay on gay like violence movie in the best (laughs) way um i think that it is not particularly bleak one like we said because it is kind of funny and like even though phil is a tragic figure he is also so terrible that by the end you're like i mean you know, he that. had it coming. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'm not that sorry for him to be oh, clear. No. bit oh, yes. sorry for him, but, but I'm still not that like,
2: much. What a relief! Like, but I love
0: <laughs> that it's not like, oh, look at like how the how the mighty have fallen and like how homophobia will like ruin your entire life. Like it is about that, but it's also like, mm. I think that Peter is such a great character to include because he seems like. Maybe not a well-adjusted kid, but he seems like a kid who honestly, like, knows who he is and what he wants Mm -hmm. and, like, has a fulfilling life, even if he's maybe slightly disturbed. But, like, he does have, like, fulfilling relationships and is able to, like, use people's perception of him to his advantage. And, like, the fact that he, Rose, and George, like, all end the film as, like, a happy family... Sort of. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I have a more positive view of the end. I feel I like he's an icon. I am nervous for Jesse
1: Plemons, low-key. Really? Yeah. Because the way he's looking out, it's a little ominous. It's not like he's, like he's looking out like happy that Phil's sort of out of the picture. But you wonder, like, what lengths will he go, like dad number one could dad number two end up the same direction you know right
2: right because rose is already a widow malevolent smile yeah yeah, when he turns around and like practically looks dead into the camera like yeah um yeah no it's a it's a fair point and like yeah
1: i what you were saying earlier i think is sort of such a interesting part of like the crux between Phil and oh my god uh, George? no Peter um, <laughs> Rose? Rose um where like so much of his lashing out at everyone else specifically and then his targeted abuse at her is because she sort of represents you know this heterosexual love that he can never have that he wanted to have obviously with Bronco Henry and so much of that is just so stemming from that direct fact that she is able to and and his brother are able to like have an hour and out romance and love and everything that he has had to do has had to be hidden or repressed and like the love that mm-hmm. he had was taken from him and then furthermore like him being a Yale guy like he has his standards so like if she's drinking or whatever, like if she can't play the piano perfectly, he's going to look down upon that. So there's yeah. just so many different ways like she represents to him just such a clear like, you know, why is this creature in my castle when I was so happy with my brother? Like, why are you bringing this force in here?
0: Yeah. Why are you reminding me of things that I like can't have? Right. Yeah. When she's not mm-hmm. even good enough for you in the first place. Right. Wait, should we talk about Benedict Cumberbatch's casting and how... Incredible. Yes, Yeah,
2: please. yeah let's get into it. I mean,
0: this is one of the reasons that I think that like this and the piano have such interesting parallels because I mean, uh, the piano, (laughs) um, you mentioned (laughs) it earlier, like it is sort of shocking and in some cases a little irksome um, to see Holly Hunter like play a completely silent role when like so much of what Mm -hmm. she's known for is like. My voice. And her verbal, <laughs> <Whoa>. like, <laughs> her, how good she is like yeah, about that yeah. kind of stuff. And obviously, she's an incredible actress. That's an incredible performance. Like, she's so much more than that. Totally. But I think that, like, it's meant to provoke you yes. in a certain way, particularly yes. you. Me. <laughs> um, I am the target. <laughs> you specifically. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Benedict Cumberbatch, it's the same thing. Absolutely. Like, why is, like, the pinnacle of, like, classical British, like, theater actor gone mm-hmm. mainstream playing, like, an American cowboy and, like, what is this, like, affectation and what does it mean? Right. Um,
1: Like, Like, what is Sherlock and Mr. Alan Turing doing, being, like, representing the American West? West, Yeah,
0: yeah. And I feel like you don't really fully grasp it. Maybe you do, Laura, if you've read the book. But you don't really fully grasp, like, what it's supposed to represent until you're in the middle of the movie. And you're like, oh, this is meant to be an insane performance, Mm -hmm. really in the way that, like, Benedict Cumberbatch stepping into this American role, like, is a performance. Right. Yeah.
1: No, hundred percent. And like you look at everyone around him, as we were saying, like everyone sees that it's a performance, even like his hooligans, and it's so performative, like him castrating, you know, with no gloves. No gloves. On. Very important.
0: And Very important. Would, yeah, 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 wash definitely. your hands,
1: wash your body. Like him not showering <laughs> and him knowing like I have to not shower in order to maintain this masculine ideal that I've set for myself. Like I can't have a slip up anywhere and it's like him you know with the banjo and him like lashing out at dinner it's just constantly like making sure that everyone is aware that he is the masculine ideal while deep down he's just this boy who went to Yale and studied classics so it's you know he's so clearly not the image that he was meant to be yeah which is just so fucking fascinating and even with his voice because Benedict Cumberbatch has like one of the most interesting not great American accents which works to the benefit of this movie where you're like no 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 i see
2: it doesn't i see quite what you're doing sir sound right yeah you right yeah this, this is one of those things where like i always have this problem of like i can't tell when a british actor is doing an american accent badly like i think we just can't tell as brits <laughs> because like we just can't like um so because i have heard that about him before in like other roles and it's like i'm so sorry i can't tell um <laughs> but yeah it, it like uh, like obviously like when it's the other way around like American accent doing British accents. I'm hypercritical. And I feel um, like we don't I yeah. just not notice as much. I can't notice
1: for sure. I'm like, yeah. what a good British accent. Even
2: if it's
0: like, yeah. unless it's like really egregiously bad. Like, yeah.
1: Like Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dreams of my waking life. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't tell <laughs> what's going on anymore.
1: <laughs> like, oh, sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what a choice. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I remember thinking like, when this film was first announced, I was like, "Ooh, how exciting!" And it was, and it was just like Benedict Cumberbatch, and I was like, "Okay, mm. I guess."
1: As a Brit, like, were you like a fan of him? What with what's like the cultural cachet that he sort of carries over there? Because obviously, like here, like Tumbler and everything, like Sherlock, <laughs> Doctor Strange, he is like huge. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's sort of the same over there, or.
2: Yeah, no. Benedict Cumberbatch is like. I mean, I think generally in the UK he is still. I mean, he kind of is still Sherlock. Like, I don't know if he's actually got away from that that much here. Because, like, Sherlock is one of those things that, like, I mean, I'm sure you'll remember. And I know it was popular in the US as well. But, like, everyone in the UK watched that. Like, everyone. So, you know, like, obviously, in terms of, like, the number of people who see Marvel movies, like, it's a lot more, like, globally. But, like, you know... My parents would never watch a Marvel movie, but of course they've seen all of Sherlock, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, (laughs) it's slightly, it, like, crosses the generation, like, that really crossed generations, I think, in in a different way. I think, yeah, over here he's more thought of as, like, appearing in a lot of, like, kind of period stuff in suits. Mm. Like, he's more of a kind of, like, I don't know, I feel like he's been in a lot of, like, fairly generic... Oh, like, there was one that came out a few months ago that was called something really boring, like The Courier. Oh, yeah, The her, Courier. It was The Courier. The formerly yeah, Iron yeah. Bar, oh, was which the is courier. a much better title. Yeah, yeah. or just, like, a lot of that kind of stuff where it's like, maybe it's World War Two, maybe it's World War One, and maybe he's a spy, maybe he's not, he's probably wearing a suit. You know, like, a lot of that kind of thing. Like, that is kind of where he is in my head. I sort of forget that he's Doctor Strange, partly because I just... I've seen like two of the Marvel films that he's in briefly as Doctor Strange. I have not seen I have not seen his own um solo solo outing. But um but yeah, so I think like I think actually genuinely in the UK like his the films where he's doing his American accent just aren't as big for whatever mm. reason. Yeah. So like it's not so much of like a topic of conversation as it probably is And, like over there being like, Oh, this guy and his fake accent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so
0: interesting because like I we've talked about Benedict Cumberbatch before on our imitation game episode, mm-hmm. but he it is was very weird to track like Benedict Cumberbatch as sex symbol during like the time that Sherlock yeah. was on. It was very weird. Um, we- like no mm-hmm. one looks like him. And he really did get like this insane amount of like international attention for yeah. that show, which I think like it's it's very um surprising that he like has basically like the green light power that he does but like him being in this movie is like a very big Mm. deal because he does pull like viewers from a a weirdly international scope because he has that like deep-rooted fandom this is just proof that like if you're looking to break in either as a creator or as a star you really should just cater your show to tumblr (laughs) like it, definitely it even, even now that it's not as big
2: <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. you know like if you tweet anything about the power of the dog and I know that's from first hand experience you will get like five accounts called like Benedict Coverbatch Portugal or something yes. like you know <laughs> like we'll like your tweet or like retweet it you know they're everywhere and they're still very active like that's amazing um, that's so. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny because the first thing I ever saw him in, I think, was Atonement, where he's a oh, small part in Atonement. Great and role he plays in Atonement. The, like, the creep, fucking creepy guy. Yeah, to the point where I, I for ages, of, and I, you know, eventually like saw him pop on, up in other things in small parts. And was like, oh, the creep from Atonement. Like that was him in my head for so long. <laughs> um, I don't know at what point. Maybe it wasn't till Sherlock that I was like, okay, well now, like you know that you you've managed to get away from that in my head um but but yeah Yeah. he was the creep from atonement for so many years
0: (laughs) he reads as a weird guy on screen which i think is why like sherlock was such brilliant casting and it's why i think that the doctor strange casting i really don't like as much because Mm. he is just basically like the new iteration of tony stark but he's missing like that sort of, like, vaguely unnerving, like, mm, I don't know about this guy factor, which I think, like, makes this mm-hmm. performance and power of the dog work so well and makes, like, atonement work very well. Yeah, honestly, like, imitation game, too. Because, like, the idea is that, like, he doesn't... You know I like the imitation game. Don't give me that. Um, Like, it- there is a sense of him, like, not being <laughs> able to fit in
1: yeah. in most yeah.
0: roles. And I think that that is, like, used very well mm-hmm. here. Um, and I also think it's really funny that like the two, he's only been nominated for two Oscars, right? And it's like for the two gay roles that he's played.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Is a little ironic. I
1: think it's like his best performance though. At least like this for me, like it really sealed the deal. Like I've never been like the biggest, not like fan or like not fan. I've just like always just like been like, yeah, he's like kind of like a classic good actor, you know? But this was the one where I was like, he, like, I really felt pat, like he should have won the Oscar for this and it just feels like such kind of like a definitive career performance that like is such you know it's one of those things that I love about the Oscars and like movies like this where you're able to put on so much about your own personal and cultural sort of thoughts upon an actor and like what we're carrying into it and also what they're carrying into it and for that to be weaponized in a way in which that benefits the film and it's done so well here and it is really like such a clear strong performance and the fact that he was like so invested in it like by staying obviously in character like writing letters to and from bronco henry not talking to kirsten dunce like
2: i love that detail so much
1: amazing it's like to be so committed to it like doing he did like a boot camp where he learned how to actually castrate bulls like it just (laughs) feels like such a full body performance and Jane is so able to capture just an energy that is so rarely seen on screen it's like he's just such a it's hard to think of another character like this that has this performative energy where it doesn't feel so authentic and real that his performances you know what I mean where it's like it's like being performative you're yeah. like uh, sure but this feels like actual performance p you know
0: it's because it's like multiple layers right and like this is this is where like casting really i think like comes in as like a beneficial like strength of Mm. your film is like being able to cast someone who can play multiple layers, and that like their actual casting adds an additional layer to the film. I think it's like the fact that Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons are a couple in real yeah. life are fucking faves. Like, um, plays in really well to this because they yeah. don't have a ton of screen time, but they clearly have like such wonderful like tender chemistry, and they're, like, known off-screen for being, like, this just, like, very healthy Hollywood couple who, like, love and respect each other's work, I think, like, really plays into the Mm. time that they get to spend together on screen. What are you I can tell you're itching to say something. Can
1: we say the quote? (laughs) It's the best thing in the fucking movie. Not really. but like, say it. I just want to say how nice it is not to be alone when they're standing Uh, there just on the side of the road
0: and he's tearing. Like is that not the most beautiful thing in the world? It's so Uh, sweet. uh, This is a great movie about how like someone is nice to you for one second and it like (laughs) causes you to collapse. uh,
2: (laughs) Literally that's his entire character and I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, like, and it's oh. like a little bit of Phil's character too yes. where it's like
0: you showed yeah, oh 1% God, yeah. of interest in me and all of a sudden I'm like, I have to make you like who I am. Like I <laughs> see myself in you. We have to do this. And yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. I just told you I kind of wanted to hang out mm. with you a little bit. Mm. Like chill <laughs> out. <laughs> you saw the dog too? I must
1: make you my younger.
0: You know when you yeah, see the dog? Oh my God. I love the scene when they see the dog. If you see the yes, dog, it means same. that you're gay. Like that is like... <laughs> To To have a theme that's that straightforward where it's like, oh, no one can see the dog on this ranch except for me, the only gay person, except for this other younger gay person who can also
2: see the dog. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. And, like, I feel like a lot of people, I feel like this, I've, I've seen some people, like, complain about this film being a bit, like, overblown or like silly and I'm like, yeah, it is. Like have you seen other Jane Campion films? Like, I would say probably with the exception of Bright Star, which is a bit more (laughs) like earnest, you know, and just like utterly romantic, like there is that always that streak of like humor. And there is also like she loves she loves gothic melodrama. And like this is such a good companion to the piano, which also has like the emotions are turned up to 11 and like everything's quite on the, like everything's really on the nose in the piano and everything's really like quite on the nose in this as well yes. <laughs> like the bit that I remember people laughing at in the press screening I was in and I, I laughed as well is when Cause it's so performative in a great way when Phil is carrying that like fucking massive log that like, he's going to use as yeah. a fence post, <laughs> and he's like driving like, it into, into the ground, ground. yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. repeatedly, and it's just like, yep, yeah, he's carrying a giant dick, and then yeah. like you yes. know,
0: like shoving, shoving it. Into the ground. it in- it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny. Like, I had completely like, forgotten like, yeah. about that moment until I watched it. You it would get splinters, so, right? It's like so what, funny. How does his hand not like charred? I mean, him like basically having sex with the saddle too when he like the second that he hears like george and rose going at it he's like i gotta go go." i gotta go to the barn and i have to like (laughs) extremely sensually stroke the saddle of my dead mentor like and that's why the people that are like i didn't really get this home i thought it was confusing i'm like i mean but like it's it's really all there is he
1: one of the first horse boys
0: We love a horse boy. He breaks the trend of horse <laughs> oh girls. Goodness. Him and Aragorn. Yes. Oh, that's so true. The,
1: just because we're on the comedy. The scene that made me laugh out loud, stand on my couch, and throw my Oscars at the screen was when Phil screams because she was drunk, <laughs> pie-eyed, she was smashed. She was smashed. To deliver that yeah. in, is like, truly one of the most like brilliant line deliveries ever because it's so funny and he's so upset She's like so you like fucking chill it's not a big deal and he's just like losing his mind it's
2: just fucking incredible yeah and like he's got so many euphemisms for being for being drunk you know yes. in that yes. earlier scene with Peter where he's like on the sauce boozing it up <laughs> yeah like it's so it's so funny and like he, and even, he it feels like in that scene, he's expecting Peter to be like really shocked and offended. Peter's just like, yeah, I know. Like, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, it kind of takes the wind out of his sails a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. I think because he's like, Phil seems to be convinced, like, yeah, I can mould you into who I want you to be. I can teach you everything. You know nothing. You're really weak. So in that conversation, when Peter's like, yeah, I know she drinks, like, it's really bad... And, you know, my father was always concerned about me being like too strong or too unfeeling and, mm. and feels like, what? That's ridiculous. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. little does he know. Little, little does he know. Does he know. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah. what
0: we see. I think like the exact same thing happened right after that. She was drunk, pie-eyed, seeing yeah, yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And I like, I also don't even regret that they use that as his Oscar clip, even though no. it's the most obvious oscar clip because it's really funny um but like when peter comes into the barn and he's like it's okay like i have more like rawhide like we can finish the rope together and phil is just like the most moved that he's ever been this whole movie where he's like you really did that for me that's wow you should come and watch me like do the rope like (laughs) this is this is this is a real moment for us you
1: want to watch me braid this rope
0: (laughs) hey 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 just guys hey, being dudes hey, hey. <laughs> that's
1: what the boys do <laughs> yeah when you're not here that's what i'm doing with my guy friends we're just
0: braiding ropes. <laughs> ropes i mean come on even saying that sounds like such a <laughs> it's so good yeah.
2: um i yeah. mean like obviously like everything in this film is like leather and like rope and you know yeah, it's no, just oh, like, yeah. it's inherently sexy stuff mm, um yes. but i was also gonna say that like in that scene you know trump pie <laughs> it's like and not only is he like you know he's obviously like lashing out but also like it's like a child having a tantrum like there's yes. something very because suddenly you've got george and then you've got peter who are both like why are you acting this way like there there's there's a sense they're not like frightened of him anymore like they're not they're 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 just like unable to understand why mm. he's got such an extreme reaction and you know the way he his eyes like fill with tears you're just like that's kind of that's like a child's reaction to something like that to not getting what they want because and you know obviously it's because he's like feeling his control slipping away and then peter comes in with this like consoling like it's okay i have this other rawhide we can do it together you know what i mean like that's (laughs) how you treat a child like very much so and
0: that's like that's like a pivotal moment for for george like you said earlier when he's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deal with this anymore like i feel fulfilled like i don't have to rely on you because i'm not alone anymore like i have someone who maybe is struggling a little bit at the moment but who like eventually like i'm gonna be with so i don't Mm -hmm. i don't need to take your shit anymore um and it makes so much sense for it to be a tantrum because he's only mad that like he really wasn't going to use the hides for anything. The idea is that like, they're going to get burned. There's no purpose to them other than the fact that he wants to control every aspect of the ranch. Like there is literally nothing like for him to be mad about. Right. It's, like, even
1: with the piano scene, like, I think arguably the other great sequence in the movie, uh, other than the pie-eyed, is when Kirsten's (laughs) playing the piano, and she keeps messing up, and then Phil enters as, like, a scary, you hear, like, the clinks of his, you know, boots and whatever, and he comes down with this banjo and is, like, teasing her, and the way that they Mm -hmm. shoot it is, like, a horror sequence, but it's, like, a little kid lashing out at this, like, person practicing, like, if your sibling was playing the piano and you, like, Wanted to have like banjo time instead, and you're like, I'm gonna play while you're playing. Like, yeah. fuck yeah, you! It's and literally
2: it's like... so it's so bratty. It's like yeah. bratty bratty behavior. Oh god, that's truly.
1: So and it's just because like because Rose is so like fragile, it like breaks her. But if you were like a normal person, you would be like why like what are you like stop i'm fucking practicing leave me alone
0: <laughs> yeah i know i agree that scene of him like sneaking open the door with his banjo mm-hmm. or that shot is really good
1: because then it's the shot of his face and he's just like yeehaw yeah
0: exactly i do very much want to talk about the, the cigarette scene mm. but so that i feel like we she deserves her due i want to talk about kirsten dunst a mm. little bit who like oh, yes please is giving such a wonderful performance and Mm -hmm. I think like Jane Campion's female characters obviously are like very like rich and complicated and nuanced and not necessarily always like what you expect out of like traditional female characters and female driven films and I would love to hear both of your thoughts but like I in a way was like very refreshed to see a female character who is, like, really not strong at all, but is, like, still yeah. a very good character mm-hmm. who, like, doesn't really have a backbone and, like, can't really handle what, like, Phil is doing to her and, like, does have to rely on everyone else around her, but that she she doesn't feel, like, too wayfish or too much, like, a cardboard cutout, I think, like, in a, a huge... Um, you know, respect to Kirsten Dunst and her wonderful performance. But also, like, Jane Campion really is, like, just that good that she can create a female character who doesn't have a lot of, like, what we would traditionally think of as, like, aspects that make for, like, A complex and interesting female character but she still is like Mm. at the end of the day like Rose is someone who we like care about it's very impressive
2: yeah I think like in the hands of like a worse screenwriter or a worse director there would be some like fucking awful bit towards the end when Rose would like finally stand up to Phil and she would do like an empowering speech and it's just like no like you know like everything you were just saying it's like it doesn't make Rose any less human or real like because yeah. she's very vulnerable and is really struggling like mentally in that in that scenario like um you know it feels real for that character that she would be it's like her husband has you know died by suicide she's like completely alone having to like fend for herself financially like it's it's a really really difficult like situation so like why <laughs> like you know it's very understandable that she would act that way it doesn't feel like you know, I, I hope we've, like, got to a point where we've kind of, we're moving a bit past the, like, I mean, maybe we're not in, like, blockbusters of moving past the, like, oh my god, I can't believe this female character is acting in this really, like, pathetic way. Yeah. Like, she's so disempowered. Like, oh my god, I can't believe, like, this is so bad, this is so anti-feminist. The Bechdel test, Wow, wow, wow. Like, <laughs> I, I hope we've just got to a point where, like, can we move on, please? Like, it's not the be-all and end-all of feminism, okay? Exactly. Like, please just let women be real, like
1: yeah have like like, normal human flaws
2: yeah and like
0: it's okay for i think and again it's like there's so much pressure on this because it's like she's the only significant female character in the film aside um from Thomas and McKenzie and Thomas and McKenzie um, jump scare. I mean, I was like, it's like, delight- Thomas <laughs> <literally>. and McKenzie. <laughs> so you have the
2: craziest voice <laughs> in the history of the world.
0: So what I just learned in this moment is that your Thomas and McKenzie and same your same Tom, Tom Holland? Holland impression are exactly no. the same. But like, aside oh from God. from Thomas mm. and McKenzie and Genevieve Lemon, Francis Conroy. To, I mean,
1: do not disparage my queen.
2: Yes,
0: yes. Genevieve oh, I love Lemon. Francis Conroy.
2: Conroy. I was just like, yes. oh shit. The six feet understanding me is <laughs> <laughs> out and like Francis Conway only has like three lines. I was like, This is so sad, but I'm like, I'm glad you're here. I and she rocks everyone when them, she gives,
1: I, when she gives Kirsten like the jewelry and stuff. I loved uh-huh. that because I was like, I feel like a very meaningful like touchstone, but there's also so much going on there but yeah continue sorry yeah Yeah, no no no.
0: i i know i agree that that is like a really lovely moment because it's it's sort of like a silent acknowledgement that like sorry i know my son was like a giant piece of shit to you um apology is about that sorry for forcing you to play the piano when you clearly didn't want to but i think like (laughs) It's, it's a very, there's a lot of pressure, I think, in this male dominated movie Mm. by a female director, by one of like the most sort of like critically significant female directors, like only female director to ever be nominated for best director twice, et cetera, et cetera, to like really, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on like the only female character in your films that are usually primarily centered around women. Um, And I have been like, I don't know. It's given me a little bit of faith and that I didn't see too many people being like, what is Kirsten Dunst doing in this Mm. movie? Why is she so unempowered? Because I don't know. It's like that I think is like, difficult to do particularly yeah. in a movie that's going to be like under a microscope this much and i don't know i really respect that jane campion and kirsten Dunst uh did it
1: no totally i think what's interesting too is i don't know how you guys feel but like she as you were saying earlier like she reaches out for help and sort of like relies on a lot of other people but she doesn't necessarily get that help back to her no like like mm. for all intents and purposes like george is like you know, a very soft, sweet boy. But he's not really, like, a great listening husband. Like, he forces her to kind no, of play the piano. He invites, like, the mayor or governor the over. Governor, yes. Um He, yeah. like, she constantly is like, I don't want my son next to this Bronco Henry loving motherfucker. And he's like, it's fine. <laughs> he's just teaching him how to ride. And, like, he just yeah. doesn't recognize how broken she is. And, yeah. like, Cody eventually, while to protect her, like, distances himself to, like, think... That, like, so Phil will, like, sort of interpret him as, like, Moving this boy away. who, like, loves him. Yeah. So, like, by doing that, it breaks her more. So she, like, kind of yeah. reaches out for help and no one gives her any respect back, which makes her being broken even more sort of devastating because you're, like, you're already a China doll. You're going to get broken even more.
2: Yeah. Which yeah. Is, yeah. You know? It's like, it really shows that, like, Phil is so much more, even though, like, he eventually gets his, like, comeuppance, but, like, Phil is so much more, like, Intuitive and like can really see, mm. like, he knows exactly how to get under people's skin, and he kind of knows exactly what everybody's thinking until he doesn't, you know, <laughs> until he's like comes across someone who is even more, like, you know, even more in tune, um, and like cuts through his bullshit. But like, George is just the complete opposite, isn't he? He's just like got really got no idea, he really just got no idea, and you know, you do. Obviously, you can't help but root for root for George and Rose, because um, that scene with them on the mountain is so is so <laughs> lovely. But there is there is that part of you that's just like, oh God, like he really wasn't, like wasn't really like with you, in a sense when it really counted, like. Yeah. hope those guys make it you know <laughs> right. like, yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly and like i again that i think also speaks to jesse Fleming's like strength as a performer because like we said the, the, he he of like everyone is in this movie the least right um yeah. but he's so good every oh, time shit, he's on screen so i know i know yeah. it's, i mean i'm gonna say of early
1: of, oscar prediction i think he wins it this year for, for killers, killers of, of the of flower Fire moon, moon? really my oh, shit. oh my god
0: now. I hope so. Ooh, that would oh, be so exciting i I feel like he's already up against it he sort of has the odds stacked against him though yes, he'll, he'll so. be in lead I know I would say if he was in supporting maybe it would be like I know a shoe in now but I'm just gonna I'm gonna
1: throw my weight behind it
0: We'll see. I hope so. I hope they don't make him wait for, like, years and years and years because it is overdue. It's just so good, though. I would say, if I had to guess, next time Benedict Cumberbatch gets nominated, he's probably yes. winning. For sure. Because he's been, like, really close both times. Because, like, yeah. for Imitation Game, he was also kind of, like, the second, the second like,
1: boy. Uh I will say, just since we're t- sort of rattling through the Oscars, or... Actors here. Cody is, I think, truly another piece of phenomenal casting. And this is why we also should get a casting uh Oscar. Yes. But like Cody's casting is mm-hmm. so phenomenal because um, similar to Benedict Cumberbatch, no one looks like him. He is like this yeah. super lanky little twinkie boy. And like <laughs> he the, just has a good the, face. No, totally too. like yeah. the hunch that he sort of adopts in this, where it's like his back is kind of perpetually a little hunched over Mm -hmm. and just like all the minor details that he has, the way that he awkwardly delivers certain lines. Like when he's like, I met a friend. He calls me vet, and I call him doc or whatever. Surgeon, right? Where like like no one gives friends nicknames like this, and you love this. Like you are weird, weird. But then like the cold ability that he has with Thomason, like during the rabbit sequence, where he's just like the
2: rabbit scene is so good, just completely devoid
1: of like fucking anything. Yeah, it's just it's truly phenomenal. I mean, we talked about him with Let Me In, but like he is really Uh, such a fucking good actor and I really am interested sort of in the choices and like next steps that he makes because I feel like he could be like a great you know actor like long term like a Benedict but yeah I just don't want him to become, like, only villains,
0: I do you know? I don't think... I think that, like, because he, he has, like, come up very solidly in mm. kind of, like, that indie scene, and, like, obviously he's found a lot of good success with this movie, I have a lot of faith in him. Mm. And I think that, like, I don't know that he is maybe who, like, studios would be like, oh, we gotta get that guy. Because <laughs> yeah. he is, like, pretty weird. But yes. in the best way. I personally find Peter to be, like, a very sympathetic character I, I i feel like i we are not aligned <laughs> on that but like i think at the end of the movie i know i think
1: he's sympathetic i just think that he's a killer well, you know
2: yeah. <laughs> i like, so just i just it's don't hard know to dispute that right. <laughs> yeah it's like i totally
1: feel for him and i'm like i like agree but i'm also like a little like
0: i don't know if i would want to hang out with you i feel like um, he he did oh. All- he did nothing wrong. I don't know, <laughs> in my opinion. um, But like, I think that he is so good in this film about like, very similarly to Phil, playing how people view him, but mm-hmm. like with a lot yeah. more like intentionality than what Phil's doing, where Phil is like, no, I need to like deeply immerse myself in like everything about like this persona that I have designed so that it doesn't slip for a second like you said whereas Peter is like I'm gonna pick and choose like Mm. how I use this and like how I interact with people like I think in that scene where they're having the cowboy gathering I don't really know what to call it when they have all the tent set up
2: yeah Um, yeah yeah. I was gonna say the same thing yeah yeah
0: and he's walking through and I remember like that's the Oscar clip that they used what's so nice is that like of the four like all four were nominated so Like, we got to really, like, see their cliffs, which was nice. Um, But that's the clip that they used where he, like, is very clearly choosing to not let the cowboys, like, yelling slurs at him, like, get under his skin. But in a way that, like, one, impresses Phil and two, makes Phil want to, like, take him under Mm -hmm. his wing. Because, like, oh, shit, this kid is kind of like me and, like, I should probably do my best to rescue him before Mm -hmm. he, like, gets in too deep.
2: Mm Mm-hmm that's such a pivotal scene in the book and like it really like like it's followed very closely in the film but like you have this internal kind of monologue from phil about how he just he cannot believe like what he he's like he like watches you know peter like walk past them all and he's so amazed at the bravery of him like turning around and just walking right past them again like knowing it's going to happen again and like being bold enough to, like, just stride through that humiliation, and it's like, Mm. yeah, it's such a turning point, and you really see it in the film as well, like, and poor 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 rose is just looking on a off to the side like oh, this can't be good it's oh god it's so good i love that scene Truly. and like yeah it's and it's so interesting you know like what a different way of thinking about the idea of like the male gaze yeah or the right. female gaze, which is obviously like a phrase that gets thrown around so much now that it's become like completely divorced from its like original meaning but like that's a sequence that like really engages with that idea in a really interesting way yeah
0: I totally agree. And I think, like, you see that, including, like, the male gaze come back in the cigarette sharing scene, aka the sexiest scene of the whole movie, and my personal favorite scene. Um, in that, like, uh, Peter adopts, like, very intentional like behaviors during Mm. that scene to like position himself best to like get Phil to, to say what like he needs him to say everything from him going over and like stroking the saddle when Phil is talking about Bronco Henry to being the one that like rolls the cigarette and then holds it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that scene of that, that shot (laughs) of them like sharing the cigarette is so good. I love it so much because like they're both like putting in, incredible performances Mm. where every tiny little move of their eyes and like whatever they're doing is you like, you see exactly like what's going on. Mm. Like we've seen Peter and all these moments that Phil hasn't seen him, including when he's like out trail riding and like absolutely terrified we get to see him be like so confident all of a sudden and like Mm -hmm. not break phil's gaze and Mm -hmm. like do this very like powerful like cigarette sharing thing and for phil to be like totally taken in by it oh it like makes me go crazy
1: uh, yeah, it's yeah. a good scene. <laughs> I, I love that you're scene. You're like, I love when these two sociopaths fall in love. Yes, that's my shit. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> that's the best. No, totally. I think I think that's um, like it's it's so much code switching for yeah. for you know Peter's character and like he knows as you were saying like he is so smart about how he presents both to Phil and in the world and you know the way in which that he sort of is able to, like, pick up on clues, even when the clues are, like, the most blunt thing, like, when he digs through the stash of, like, manly Bronco Henry magazines, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 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 Old-timey porn. Classic. You, like, wonder from that, too, like, when Phil catches him and, you know, yeets after him all nude and stuff, (laughs) you're, you know, you're, like, what are the two of them sort of thinking? In that moment, like, is Cody like realizing or did he know before you know and then like is he going to lean into it because Phil has that is Phil scared is Phil excited that Cody saw this you know like there's so much to read then in between the lines uh within their characters constantly it's really like a game of 4D chess that both of them are playing which it's is super hot as hell oh
0: it's <laughs> so good <laughs> it looks like someone yeah, poisoned yeah, yeah. me with anthrax that's what that's really what i'm looking for hey again he deserves <laughs> he deserves it i just think like any of these like power dynamics where you are whatever frame it is like in this case it's like the frame of like queerness where like the characters are using their like exclusion from society to their own benefit Mm. like peter is using the fact that phil's gonna let his guard down to poison him is um really fucking good
1: yeah it's astounding that he didn't get the, like I feel like he could have got the win just because he does sort of open and end the movie. I honestly Cody? just think he's too young. You really? Know? Mm. Yeah.
0: It's really hard to win when you're young. Yeah. I don't know. Like, unless it's something like so, so, so undeniable. Right. Yeah.
1: I'm just looking at sequences here. I feel like there are so, there's just so much to sort of like every sort of little, even like line delivery, like when Phil uses like the lisp to make fun of
0: Peter. Cody. Oh, we gotta talk about yes. um the minute when he sticks his finger in the paper flower. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I didn't oh, imagine that. Yeah. Yet. Is that in the book? Is there anything sort of similar to that in the book? I can't
2: honestly remember. I mean, the paper flowers is quite a strong uh like symbol. Like that is very much in there. But I think I think that's a Campion special, that like big old close-up. <laughs> and like, oh, obviously, yeah. like the moment the moment I saw it and like maybe you had the same thing I was so I was like, oh, this is the bit in the piano when Harvey Keitel touches Holly Hunter's knee with the hole in her tights. Like, this is that. Yeah. Like, This is this is Jane Campion being like, sex, sex, sex. sex. <laughs> like, she's like, she's like, are you paying attention? And like, yeah, it's I, like, you know, this movie... In many ways, it is subtle, like the way the power dynamic shift. But in many ways, it's not subtle at all. It's really in your face right from the get go. Yeah. Um, and I love that moment so much, and it kind of makes me like makes me laugh a little bit. But like, it's just like the gothic melodrama of it. Like it's a rose yeah. that he's like sliced with scissors, and then right. back like fingering and setting fire to. You know what I mean? Like it's just so. Like, it's just so gothic and fun and ridiculous. Um, I love it so much.
0: It's wonderful. I think, like, another, like, very, like, gothic melodramatic scene, even though, like, very similarly, it's kind of played subtly and quietly, but also not at all, is Benedict Cumberbatch and his Bronco Henry Cloth like yeah. whatever that oh, is the
1: least subtle thing yeah yeah when he's just like he's dragging like, it fucking over feel his my goddamn body up with this yeah
0: I mean it's so good Benedict Cumberbatch is also very good I think like at playing that scene that scene is like a highlight for me just mm. in terms of like he's just basically just laying there with his eyes closed but like you're getting so much from like what right. he's doing and I don't know like we talked about it earlier with the saddle but like. Campion, I feel like, loves a, a hand close-up and is very good with the hand mm. close-ups and, like, what your hands are saying is an extension of your body. Um, and that scene is a good example of it. <laughs> it's As very similar to Brokeback,
1: sniffing something of an ex-lover, you uh, know? Nothing, nothing more uh, traumatic oh, and sad oh, yeah. for a queer lover that's living in the West. <laughs> <laughs> On the opening scene, which is with the flower, I feel like one thing that stood out to me is that Kirsten's hair is wet, I don't know if either of you picked up on it, but, like, her hair looks, like, kind of damp. Oh, yeah. And, like, I thought it was just, like, a super interesting thing throughout, like, so some, like, she, like, her disheveled look and the way that they, like, do the costume design and hair and makeup is so meticulous. It's, like, there's no reason for her hair to be wet in that scene, but because it is, just, like, adds, like, a kind of interesting dimension to it because you're kind of, like, the character already is, like, you know, she she's, like, it's already lunchtime, should be kind of ready for your day and to, like, kind of still be not prepped. You're, like, already from the get-go seeing that she's, like, a little, you she's know... She's always, like, struggling. Yeah, I think it's that. super interesting. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that just yeah, plays definitely. into...
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it's just, like, all the costumes in general just are so fantastic and, like, what george wears versus what phil wears and you know cody with the sneakers and everything it's all just so so, (laughs) you know fully thought out which i love yeah the
2: costumes really do so much like phil's costume like i mean he kind of only really has like one costume and that's sort of the point that he like wears that fucking thing all the time and you know it's like you'll you'll remember whenever it was like a month ago that whole like sam elliott conversation oh, God, that happened yeah, where sam course. elliott was like this is all bullshit like there's no way that a real cowboy would wear that outfit and it's like exactly sam exactly you actually you're like bang on the money with that observation right. like it's total bullshit like why is he wearing the the, the you know are they chaps the big woolly things yeah, yeah. Wearing them? it's like
1: you look like a yeti what are you doing
2: <laughs> yeah and it's like this whole idea of like I need to literally dress myself up in this like animalistic like bulk to like look scary. It's like that thing where animals make themselves big to like ward off you know, it's just that and like it's all totally bullshit. And like the moment you feel like that's starting to fall apart for Phil is when George comes up to him, basically says, like, I need you to not come to this dinner looking and smelling like shit. And Phil is like, how fucking dare you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot believe this. Like, What it's do you just mean? So I funny. have
1: to shower?
0: Yeah, he yeah, I mean, can't like, deal with it. Yeah, but then that he has to appear anyway and like he can't stay away but he also can't clean up like he right. has to come and like do this whole little song of dance of like oh excuse me like I'm just off the horse like right. you want to keep your di- yeah. distance I'm running a ranch here. Yeah. Oh, you didn't play the piano? Too good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, just really quickly, since you mentioned Sam Elliott, we'll keep this very, very brief, but that was truly a wild 24 hours between being like, Sam Elliott yeah. just like described everything about how like people don't allegedly understand how to interpret movies to Jane Campion right. being like, yeah, that was fucking stupid of him to say it to then
2: the um, Williams sister's yeah. blunder. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, oh. It was a weird, a weird like forty eight hours to be a Jane Campion fan. I was just like, like oh my god, I don't know what what's going on. <laughs> it was quite
0: crushed together. I feel I don't know. I personally thought her apology was pretty good. Um but again, it's like I, I think that It's it was very interesting in in terms of like how this movie was interpreted by people and like the comparisons people made. Like obviously we've been talking about Brokeback Mountain a lot, but it's because we're smart and we're educated and like we're better than other people. Um, But I think that like everyone that compared this movie to Brokeback Mountain just sort of like as an easy like, I don't know, they're both gay Westerns is hilarious because like they actually don't have very much in common at all other than the fact that they they
2: don't they're so different yeah
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, like they're completely different and i think that like anyone that wrote this movie off because Mm. of the fact that broke back mountain like already exists is insane and um you know to draw the piano (laughs) power of the dog comparisons again like the piano was jane campion's like insane breakout movie where that like did reach four quadrant status um like in this very surprising way and i think that the power of the dog did as well with like how i mean we talked about the bronco henry memes like how sort of widespread the like Mm. viewership for this movie was but I feel like Mm -hmm. it was interpreted in a completely different way like you said Laura your parents being like I don't know the piano is like a period piece that's exactly what my parents thought too I was like I'm gonna watch the piano my mom was like oh yeah I don't know she has a piano it's on a beach like I think I've seen it and then I watched it and I was like are you sure you've seen this movie? I feel like (laughs) maybe you would remember it differently if you had actually seen it. But like compare that with like, oh, this movie is more accessible than we actually thought. Or like we think that this movie is more accessible than it actually Mm -hmm. is. Versus the power of the dog, which I feel like the narrative very quickly got twisted to like, what? what is this? I don't understand it. It's so slow. It's so boring. It's so confusing when it is arguably more accessible than the piano. People calling this movie slow.
1: That was like the least, like that's my least favorite fucking joke. in the Oscars, it took me three viewings to watch this. I'm like, how it's like two hours on the dot or whatever. Like, it goes by so quickly. What is this nonsense? I would
0: say it's a very arresting movie too. Like Johnny Greenwood yeah. going absolutely bananas with Uneasy the score. Uneasy music oh, plays. Yeah. It's very propulsive. Yes. Yeah, I. So I think Pluck that
1: Pluck... Prop- mm, there's nothing. But because like how he's plucking on uh, the banjo. No. No. no? Now? Yes.
0: Um. I think that <laughs> like it's very interesting to look at like those the two Campion films in conversation and like how criticism Mm. and like viewership of like what makes a four quadrant or like at least like an accessible sort of like awardsy adult film has totally changed where like this film became like co-opted something that we can like look down on and like make fun of because one we've already done it and two you can't even understand what's going on in it whereas the piano like everyone was like oh yeah I mean that film was like a smash hit. Right. Um, Despite being,
2: like I said, arguably like less successful. I don't mm-hmm. know.
0: Laura, do you, do you have any thoughts? I mean,
2: it's so crazy to think like the piano was such a hit where it's like, can you imagine like if that film came out? Like, I mean, obviously it's like such a different landscape. Like, and that's, yeah, I guess the point of like, just like, even just something as simple as like a film with that much sex doing that well at the box right. office. Yeah. Like, hard Shocking. to believe. I mean, the actual, the thing I was just thinking about as a comparison point, even though like, you know, I think the piano has a, had a, had a much bigger like impact on culture. Is like the favorite did very well in the UK, yeah. mm. Um, and obviously that has a lot of sex in it as well, and is like quite seems like one thing from the posters. And if you're not familiar with like Yorgos Lanthimos, you might think it's one thing, and then you know it like remind, like when I went to see it in the cinema you know, there's the, like, certification thing that comes up, like, the BBFC in, in the UK, like, it'll be, like, 15 and it'll, like, explain what you're in for. Like, um, and it was, like, strong sex, very strong language, da, da, da. And I just remember this, like, ripple from this, like, gang of, like, middle-aged women, like, middle-aged to elderly women at the front who were just, like, strong sex? Ooh, <laughs> like, what did I walk into? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. um, and, you know, I was sitting there, like, I don't think these ladies know what this is gonna be like. The rules. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hilarious. Because, you know, they understandably were like, oh, it's a film about, like, Queen Anne. Um, this is going to yeah. be very middle of the road. And, you know, for them, that's, that's like, you know, that's a good thing. Um, I feel like The Piano, yeah, that's the only film I can think of that, like, did similarly well at the box office. And maybe slightly through, yeah, a kind of miss like misinterpretation or like it like it makes me remember that like one of the promotional posters to the piano and it's one that you don't see very often now for good reason it's like it's got like holly hunter's like smiling and yes. like i think harvey Keitel's like kissing her on the cheek or like maybe it's the neck maybe it's a bit sexy, no yeah, but, like, yeah 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 it yeah, looks yeah. like it a period like- romance yeah it's like that is really not you know like i think holly hunter smiles like three times in that film you know it's just not (laughs) maybe yeah like that's quite generous and like does she smile showing teeth maybe only once you know like Like, a grin um and it's just like it's just so it's just so interesting and like yeah it's i mean to me it's like it's quite exciting that so many people watched power of the dog like i mean obviously that's partly just because it's a netflix release and like i don't know about you guys but i find it really hard like when people are asking for a film recommendation it kind of has to be something that's on netflix otherwise or amazon prime otherwise like forget it like that that recommendation is just not they're just not gonna watch it so you know i know it's like in many ways it's not ideal that like jane cambion's work is like or, like, any of the big auteurs, like, their work is going practically straight onto Netflix, and, like, you can go round and round in, like, conversations about, like, accessibility, and what does that mean, but if more people stumble upon films like Power of the Dog on, like, a Friday night when they're browsing through, and just like, oh, yeah, this is meant to be good, you know, I think that is really exciting, and it kind of reminds me of, like, the conversations that were happening around Parasite, you know, in, like, beginning of 2020, of, like, how amazing that that film really broke out, like, and and maybe for maybe for some people that might be like one of the very few films they've seen like not in english you know it's just Mm. like that's that's a hugely exciting thing um and you know like obviously power the dog is very different it's got like hollywood stars it's you know it's about america it's you know it's not really that similar but like yeah that that kind of that potential to break out and reach more people i think is really exciting
0: yeah. And I mean, like when we talk about streaming films where we are always like not quite sure how to like position it as mm. if it's four quadrant or if it's not four quadrant, obviously, mm. like it's more of a gray area than that. But I think like a lot of the times we're looking at like how it did break out, like how audiences reacted to it and like how that would have been translated to like a theatrical release.
1: I think the piano, as you were saying, is like a good comp, though, for this. Honestly, like at the end of the day, like, I think if this had a theatrical run or like an actual theatrical run, yeah, it would non-pandemic. have it definitely crossed 1000 screens yeah. because of how, you know, well it did at the Oscars and because like, obviously you would get that post Oscars bump. And even though it didn't win a lot of Oscars, having that many nominations, having Benedict as a star, I think carries so much cachet yeah. and, you know, the cast being as, you know, strong as it is. And, Even though it was released on Netflix, it is one of those movies, as we were saying, with Bronco Henry memes where people were like, just kiss. And like all that (laughs) stuff where it's like everyone was making jokes and talking about it. And it's so rare for, I feel like nowadays, for a Netflix movie to actually come into the cultural consciousness versus like a red notice or something where you're told that something has broken through when... You don't feel it, but this was one of the very few movies where you actually felt like this is a movie on Netflix that everyone has seen, like with Marriage Story or with like The Irishman, where like people were actually like engaging with it and like making memes and everything. And I feel like that's when you know that something has kind of crossed over from streaming to the memes, the will mainstream, tell you. and that's like when you know, <laughs> yeah. like a, that has. But exactly, they will, they're no, like, exactly, like honestly, totally. Yeah. So like that's why I feel like I'm kind of like way more comfortable doing like a streaming movie like this than you know something else just because it is
0: for example to just say another netflix film that like that probably would have had like
1: 800 max or not even even, yeah yeah. even though
0: i love that film i think that that is a wonderful film that was sort of like weirdly got buried by netflix but like i know it's such a shame yeah i totally agree yeah a very different like critical reception but like
1: for this movie like uh, if you just look at the development, like it was optioned five times before, and Paul Newman was attached to, I would it have himself.
0: killed to see Paul Newman as Phil Vervey. I, I know. Have,
1: oh, oh my god. god! Such a different movie, though. Yeah. Like in looking at how it analyzes queerness, because I feel like he's—I mean, Paul the Newman, famous ally, of... though. No, yes. totally, yeah. but he yeah. is like the opposite of Benedict. So, yeah. like, you get a totally different movie. But if Paul Newman makes this movie, it's a big release like it's a four quadrant film yeah so you know like by having just sort of seen that the development cycle i think of it and like who they got it to attach you know i think just says something
0: so yeah i mean like i first of all paul newman is phil burbank it would have been so interesting because it would be like totally. a commentary on like his entire career right and like right, what
1: exactly. made him yeah exactly
2: oh my god can you imagine
1: clint oh eastwood would like... never i
0: personally
2: don't want to see oh god no. it actually i'm like oh
1: because i mean like because of his no. political views i think it actually would lean into the like repression and the like Disdained for like the internalized homophobia. But, do you know what I mean?
0: Right, but it maybe would not. Come
1: no, I know, across. I know. Yes. Yes. Because yes. 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 I
0: do think that, like, even though, yes, this is a film that deals so much with repression, I would say it's like, I see it personally as like a net positive film for like. The queer... The gays. I do. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Uh, anyway. Be um, gay, do crime. Yeah. Be gay, do crime. And, like, weaponize your gay power, you know? To kill other <laughs> awful To kill other more gays. powerful gays. Um. But, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that, like, uh, Benedict being at the center of this film is, like, very crucial to yeah. it. Like, having that boost. But also, like, Jesse Plemons is, like, in such, like, a great period right now. There was, like, all this, like, goodwill towards... Um, Kirsten Dunst for like getting her first Oscar nom, and it was originally supposed to be Paul Dano and Elizabeth Elizabeth. Moss. I I think we
1: lucked out. I think it's better casting. I would
0: agree. I mean, I love Paul Dano, but I love both of them. Yes, yes, but I think that like there's a certain tenderness that like Jesse and Kirsten are bringing that I think is very crucial to making this film feel warmer.
1: I just don't know if Lizzie Moss (laughs) would be able to like be as broken as Rose. Like, I feel like she's just has like. A str- like, there's just an inherent, like, fighting back. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like we would expect yeah, her so true. to yeah. to eventually at the end just be like, fuck you, versus Kirsten, where she's just kind of has this, like, broken, like, since she was, like, a, a kid actor, yeah. you know, and, like, there is, like, an inherently, like, a, a broken quality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like Elizabeth Moss is so, like, yeah, she's, like, always playing, like, women who are losing it like it's like you know she just always is yes. and she's great at it so i can see why and you know obviously like jane campion worked with her on top of the lake yeah. which right. er, initially like er- like interestingly originally that was supposed to be anna paquin so, so like she obviously yeah. generally likes to work with her same people over and over again and then when they can't do it she'll she'll get in someone new and then maybe they'll join like the roster um but apparently like they had written like letters to each other years ago wanting to work together and it oh. just never never worked out so like until now it's like oh it's really nice but yeah i i yeah i, I agree though i think elizabeth moss maybe a little bit too maybe a little too tough um to take the role on and like yeah paul dano i just like maybe just because he's played so many creeps i'm just like i don't right. think exactly. george is the right role for you like even you know i feel like i've played him i've seen him play like nice sympathetic characters but i'm just like Mleh. There's something going on though, like maybe when you were younger, you could have played Peter, but you're obviously way too old to play Peter. Like
1: now, Ruby but... Sparks era or whatever.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just not the right fit. So it, we <laughs> we lucked out. You're exactly right. Yeah, if yeah. it was
1: this, then Riddler back to back, it would have been yeah. such oh, nuts. Whip-mash. He's like Phil oh God, Burbank. Yeah. I have a riddle for you to solve. Are
0: you done? <laughs> yes.
1: I I on <laughs> uh, just on George. It's so brutal how phil constantly calls him fatso and big boy it's just like as you were saying earlier where he knows how to dig into people you can just see jesse's face be like so defeated by it and there was like that thing that jesse said where some like bully or whatever had called him big boy and he got like personally upset about it because benedict was just Uh in character and there's just so many like layers to that and you totally can see how their relationship as brothers played out and sort of like the favoritism of the parents and like the way in which like Jesse now has to sort of be like the one in the suit to like take care of the ranch and like the performative nature of their relationship. There's just, it's so, there's so much to dig into on like little things. And I feel like that's where Campion excels is that like every sequence and scene, there's so much to read into it. And it's subverting different thoughts and expectations that you would have of a story where you're like, Oh, a gay rancher, and you know, things like that. Like, there's the very broad log line, and you're like, Oh, I think I know this movie. But when you're actually watching the movie, she's constantly just like yeah. cutting and digging in different, different, uh, different ways to the story.
0: Yeah. I just want to say, yeah, I think, definitely. like, The last interesting, uh, or maybe not the last, but one of the interesting things about, like, how this film was marketed and released is that, like, I feel like for us being in, like, the film Twitter circle and, like, seeing all these critical reviews come out, Mm -hmm. like, I was very aware that this was homoerotic before, like, it actually hit Mm. streaming, but it's not particularly marketed that way. Like, I think that if you are, if you have an eagle eye, like, you can definitely read into it, but, like, it's not build as that being like an essential part of like what in like this the trailers and is. stuff yeah oh, okay
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think i've actually even seen a, the trailer. a trailer
2: oh it's a
0: great trailer it's so good
2: it's got the whistle, hasn't it? Of him doing the like... Oh, fuck that rule. Like slow down and creepy. Yeah, it's pretty good actually. Yeah. It's yeah. Good that, that piano but No, scene. you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the trailer is very
0: thriller forward. Okay. And there's like him, mm-hmm. Cody, like um, thumbing the comb. Oh my God. And, oh my God. Like, that noise. The, <laughs> rope, ah. the rope being braided and like the, mm. the flower. It's sort of like pitched as... It's definitely pitched as, like, there's something happening, like, <laughs> on this ranch that's fucked up. Yeah. But it, I would say it's much, like, more of a, a thriller than the film yeah. actually is. Yeah. Okay. And definitely not, like, there's something Look gay. Look at this, Bronco Henry gay subtext. Going on on this ranch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no mention of yeah. Henry. Yeah. What? Or wow. It, 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 it's in a very like very minimal way that like doesn't gotcha. okay. really like tell you. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think that that is like what I mean. Not to rag on Sam Elliott too much, but I think like his comment was a very good example of like how it still feels like I've been bamboozled. I thought that this movie about the West was actually is actually yeah. about the gays. Like, yeah. what is this? And I think that like it. I like that that was excluded from the marketing because it's a nice little surprise. Um, and it sort of is another thing that you like figure out about the movie while you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Like you're not immediately like, huh, yeah, <laughs> what's going on? It's a little gay. Like right. it, it, little makes, it makes you uncover it. Um, And I think that that's smart. But I think for some people, that's still, like, a little bit of a jump scare. A la the Thomas Um, and (laughs) and McKenzie jump scare,
2: yeah. (laughs) It's like, us gays do love to be sneaky. Yeah, the kind of thing, oh my god, yeah. Um, Yeah, us gays love to be sneaky. And also, like, obviously, if you're straight, you will be watching that scene when Peter and Phil first meet in a very different, you know, very different way. Whereas, like, us queers are just going to be like... Mm, mm, I, you know, see it. From the I see yeah, it yeah it's like yep 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 and like what was I going to say oh I was going to say like it's just, it's very interesting like thinking about this in relationship to the book because like unsurprisingly the book you know it's fairly clear that Thomas Savage was gay mm-hmm. but like the book it's so much more of an undercurrent it's so much more of a subtext like for mm. instance like the bit where Peter finds his collection of like ye olde porno mags like that's not in the book like i did laugh a little bit when that when that appeared in the film because i was like was she worried it wasn't obvious enough (laughs) like you know she's got to have him find like the gay porn stash and like again like bronco henry like the scarf thing like that's not in the book like it's so it's so much more it's so much more suppressed um Mm. to the point where I got to the end of the book and I was like, "Oh, that was a great book." And oh, it kind of had quite a like homoerotic undertone, you know, where it's yes, really? like, yeah. "Oh, interesting." The film is, yeah, exactly. Yes. Like it's just such a different relationship with with queerness. But all I, I, mean... I suppose I'm, what I'm really saying is, I can imagine a lot of men, like particularly like you know straight men who would be horrified by the thought of gay cowboys could read the book and be like ah a revenge story like you know what i mean like you could totally read that book and just not even pick up on that at all um like if you're straight like if you're gay, you're obviously gonna kick like pick up on that stuff um completely yeah so it's It's cool that like savage was
1: able to weave in his own queerness then into because it's such a personal story for him Right. So then to be able to like like have this undercurrent of queerness and for like certain readers to pick up on it versus other readers, I think is like such a fascinating sort of thing, you know?
0: I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I actually have a Tumblr post that I would like to reference. Um, But this is like, this is an educational Tumblr post that I found while I was scrolling, and it's about like. Uh, like this particular story i'm just going to read it because it's not very long um this is i don't don't even know what this username is steve yaki sure um says it's like y-o-c-k-e-y credit where credit is due getting emotional about the way stories stick around and emerge and re-emerge thinking about how thomas savage published the power of the dog in 67 and it was savage himself who sent a copy to annie prue who wrote Uh, Brokeback Mountain or uh, after he read Brokeback Mountain and when someone at Little Brown found a first edition copy of the book Annie's grandmother had owned that's how it ended up getting republished in 2001 with an afterword by Annie Proulx and like that's the version of the book that Jane Campion's stepmother handed her and told her she had to read and that's how Jane like wasn't even planning on making a movie but it just stuck in her head until she couldn't stop herself Um, and now a gay man who died in 2003 after a successful relatively quiet writing career half a century ago has his name in every paper and a whole new world of people discovering his work and it's heartbreaking and beautiful (laughs) um and this is like the most tumblr part of it and maybe sappho had it right when she said that someone in another time will remember us (laughs) um it was good
1: had it right into that last line
0: (laughs) that's actually a really lovely sappho quote though sure where it's like i someone in another time will remember us it's great don't knock it it's it's deeply moving
1: <laughs> Will someone at another time remember
0: Bronco Henry? Though I fucking, I mean, they clearly did. That's true. Um, but I think that that is like so so uh, lovely that like yeah. those two sort of like these weird like pinnacles of like the mm. queer Western were in conversation with each other like yeah. from a literary yeah, standpoint before they were like in no, a film standpoint. Yeah, and how it's like this really lovely like exchange of inspiration and that yeah thomas savage is getting this like second life mm. um because of this movie that's really like, romantic and tragic yeah. yeah and it is supposed to be like it, it's an analog for like he's peter basically like right. it's an analog yeah, for his yeah. life which is why i think i see like i i like where this movie ends for peter even if he is like maybe a disturbed right. kid like i i think that it is a triumphant film albeit in like kind of twisted way yeah
2: yeah is Peter like, is the character of Peter like symbolically killing a part of himself that he doesn't want to, that he wants to leave behind or like doesn't want to inherit? Like mm-hmm. is it all about, is it all about that symbolism? We want to kill like that. we want to kill masculinity Sick. like kill toxic no, masculinity we kill a dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Super Otherwise, interesting.
0: You your toxic masculinity has to be like part of like your sexual identity mm. like mm. as a man yeah, yeah. and like you have to kill that off in order to like fully come into your own. Mm. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> interesting. That's Oh, we're so good. Um this movie is so good. <laughs> it's all so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Laura. like reeling.
1: I'm kind of thinking about anything else and all that my brain is rattling is just that we need a Phil Burbank versus Bob of Burbank sequel that digs into, you know. It wasn't what a happens. good joke on Twitter. It's not it's a, a good joke, joke now. It's a good joke <laughs> and everyone gets it. Everyone loves it. <laughs> you walk by Bob's and you're like, "Wow, I must see Phil now." Bob's big boy, famous hey, Burbank restaurant. Big boy?
0: It works. It's a narrative hey. through line, oh, Brooke. Totally, That's so true, totally. Um, Laura, is there anything else that you feel like we we didn't touch on that we should
2: should take a look at? Oh my god, I feel like I've got such a like kaleidoscope like I know switching around in my head. Oh, one underrated hilarious moment is when um, on Rose's first night in the house, and Phil's like gone upstairs and he's lying on the bed in the dark doing the banjo, and he does the little impression of her being like. We had such a nice journey. Like, it's hilarious. (laughs) Like, it's so fucking childish. And, oh, I just... Oh, he's such a little petty bitch he's such he yeah. is a petty bitch <laughs> he is. and
0: he's such a kid for so much of this even uh, at the beginning when all the cowboys are going out to that um, brothel adjacent <laughs> situation <laughs> yeah. and he yeah, just yeah, goes yeah. back to the house and he's like money. I don't want to be here but then he's like why isn't George back yet right. like where is he and he's like wandering around yes. looking for him it does feel like very very or like childish. when the
1: cowboys are all like bathing and playing together and whatever and, and he just like walks by and everyone like looks at him like you're gonna like come in and he just doesn't just engage off. with anybody yeah.
0: yeah shout out to all those cowboys i love them we love uh himbo cowboys unproblematic minding their own business yes. oh, very confused really, at really the do. psychosexual
1: tension happening Bathing between together. him and his like little kid
0: yeah i mean but hey none of them can see the dog, so. That's so mm-hmm.
1: i think there's one major thing that we have not talked about brooke That's Ari Wagner. We have not talked about the cinematography in this, which is fucking stunning. And also so smart because there's a way in which to shoot the West that's like close-ups on wheat and giant billows. And like, you know, where it's just like Mm -hmm. so hyper, you know, glorified. But this one, it's so sort of stripped down and... I don't know. It's just like, it's it's
0: so fucking well shot. This is one of my favorite looking films probably of all time. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. how she shoots landscapes. It's kind of crazy that like she literally would have been the first woman to win best cinematography ever mm-hmm. and that yeah. like this is oh my such yeah. an oscar-y looking movie like it looks um it's so it's like beautiful vistas and like Mm -hmm. every scene is lit so perfectly like it's truly an incredible looking movie and i you know absolutely no disrespect to greg frazier but i am a little bitter that yeah uh, she lost that because it just it looks
1: so good there's nothing better than like a western lit with candles and things like like, i think about like assassination of jesse james you know there's just like if you get a really hot shot western there's kind of nothing
2: better
0: listen there's a reason that i love westerns like they look
2: incredible yeah
0: um i'm still mad
2: i think those interiors are amazing as well like all Mm -hmm. that like dark paneled wood and like it's kind of how I like why I feel that it's so gothic partly it's just like that kind of feels like a gothic like mansion or like you know it and it's so like incongruous in that landscape and like that landscape is obviously like really beautiful and like striking but also it's quite like it's kind of desolate in a way yeah Yeah. like it's not it's not exactly like oh wow I would love to be transported to you know (laughs) it's not exactly like desert landscape but it's like it's pretty harsh it's pretty like everything is very gray and brown and like you know it's yeah it has its own beauty but yeah it's pretty desolate.
1: There's that shot towards the end when we kind of cut back after the funeral where it's just like a super wide of the the house and it's just like a little black house in the middle and just the mountain and that's it and you're like you want to live here? You're like enjoying this. And then you cut to Peter and he's like roaming the house. He's like, ah, I have all this free space now. No burden of Phil. And
0: you're like, this this, this (laughs) just is
1: incongruous. Like this
0: boy, what is going on here? It's really nice. And I love all those shots, like from inside the house, looking out through the windows, Mm. like they're Mm. lit, like so impeccably. And like the land, like we said, the landscapes are so visually striking just on their own. Obviously like that. I I can't tell you how nice it is not to be alone. Um, mountain scene is, like, incredible looking. And I think that, like, this movie is also very well edited. Obviously, like, yeah. Dune swept, like, literally every technical award. But I remember when Martin Scorsese was, uh, like, presenting Jane Campion with her best director win at, I think it's the New York Film Critics Circle. Mm-hmm. And he, like, was talking about his experience watching this film. And he talks about, like, the cigarette sharing scene bleeding into that scene of the horses and like when a fly Mm -hmm. lands on one of the horses and then buzzes away and that's sort of like a thematic reflection of like what just happened in the cigarette sharing scene and like I that's just like it's such a good marriage of like cinematography because like the the shots are very intentional it's edited quite nicely like obviously the directing and the theme or like what are putting those two scenes next to each other um Just like filmmaking, man, you know? It's cool, right? <laughs> Movies uh, are great.
2: The craft is just like, oh, chef's kiss. Every aspect. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, uh, then
1: yeah. it goes to win nothing for The Craft. Hey, hey. So. Well, nothing ah.
2: for The
0: Craft. I mean, this is Not like... Not to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> this is the, the <laughs> most recent film since The Color of Purple in 85 to like be nominated for this many Oscars, nominated for 11. 11. No,
1: 12 and lost for 11.
0: 12. Um, and. Oh, uh, God. I mean, it won one. So, I mean, shout out to Jane Campion for snagging that best director when we fucking love to see it.
2: Yeah, Uh, as wins go, it's a pretty good one. But yeah, it 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 hurts. It's disappointing, yeah. Yeah. It it, it definitely hurts.
0: I think it's like, it's so, again, I know that we were like, we shouldn't compare this film to Brokeback Mountain and then like keep comparing it. But like, I, I think personally, I find Coded to be a much more agreeable film than Crash. But like the fact that like, in these two, like, sort of juggernaut Oscar years where it was, like, there's no way that the queer Western can lose. Like, something kind of came out of, like, left Mm, field and, like... Snagged all the, the pa- gays will
1: not win this year, and, but it's
0: like I don't know. Like it's just it's so interesting. The parallels are so interesting, and like again, this is literally no disrespect to Coda at all because I quite I quite like that movie, but I definitely don't like it as much as Power of the Dog. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like again, like we said, this movie did have very good audience reception. Obviously, famously, Netflix doesn't report box office grosses or anything, but IndieWire estimated the film made um 160k and it's like super limited theatrical release over the first five days which is pretty good with like a per theater average of I think it's like 3k per theater which is not bad um and audience viewership it was streamed by I think like the grand total um was 3.4 million households in the United States alone and there was like a really big uptick after the Oscar nominations and this is Mm -hmm. like that's like considered a success by their metrics for like this type of film and like I don't know I mean again it's like you really can't trust the Netflix like what numbers. are numbers the yeah. Netflix
2: numbers literally make no fucking sense at all Um, yeah I feel like they count like a full stream of the film as like literally if you watch more than two minutes or you know like it's obviously like it's kind of bullshit but yeah and their numbers
0: just like keep getting inflated for certain movies like it's truly bizarre and I know like there's been some creators that talk about like a lot of the metrics that they quote-unquote release have to do with like how people are watching like they're watching habits and not just like the fact that they watch and like some mm. things like count more heavily um like I know for series like oh. bingeability is like a really large factor as opposed to like raw like number of people watching it's like how quickly they watched it I don't know it's ridiculous um it's a little bit disconcerting but I think that we can count this film as like A success success, across the board. Um, Would you say that
1: the power of the dog was quite powerful?
0: Definitely. Wow. Yeah. Love to see it. Love to see that. Okay. Now,
1: can I ask a question? Sure. How powerful was the dog on Letterboxd?
0: I, well, you're going to tell me. Ooh.
1: Okay. Do you
0: want to try and guess the average? I
1: do. I'm a little nervy on this one because uh, I think gay stuff usually is lower. <laughs> uh- Are you sure about that on <laughs> Letterboxd? No, no, I don't know. On um, Letterboxd of all places? In my head, I want to give it the elite just because any movie, um, as we were saying off mic with the social network, I don't know. I'll Maybe I'll, I'll trust my... I'll. I'll be happy. I'll say it's the Elite 39.
0: Okay. Laura, would you care to put in a
2: guess? Ooh. Not required, but It w- it's funny. I was going to say like 3.5. So, okay. You know, I was going to say like pretty damn close.
0: I know. mean, guys, you kind of like Loki got it because it's a 37. So
2: like if you split Whoa! the difference, oh my okay. god. Yeah. Okay. That's that's I got. I bet it's. I bet it's low on IMDb. I bet. Ooh, I bet. the I think IMDb it's game. Low. Let's see. Okay, I, I. don't oh, want to play the IMDb okay, game because it's I'm gonna, too
0: depressing. Okay, Are I'm you not to yeah, I, I mean... wanna
1: se- seven two.
0: Okay. Laura, you don't have to guess because we've never done this. No, but if you want I want to
2: try. I want to say like maybe like a 6.8. I feel like it's probably low on IMDb. I don't know. It's a 6.9. Yeah. Nice. Whoa! Um, wow. <laughs> but not 6, actually 9. that.
0: Not actually that nice, but That's crazy. Nice. Um, oh. Yeah. On Letterboxd, on like the hot young kids platform, most people give it four stars. There's definitely a fair amount of good Bronco Henry jokes in the replies. My personal favorite is... uh. Past and future guest, friend of the pod, Ella Kemp, whose uh, review was just, yeah, I bet Bronco Henry taught him how to ride, which <laughs> is a great, <laughs> great review. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. But I do think it was like, I don't know, there's obviously like recency bias in terms of how popular it is. Right. Um,
1: it is one of our more popular films, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: 329,000 people on Letterboxd have watched it. Um, So it's it's up there. Well we'll take it as a win. Take
1: it as a W. And hey,
0: guess what? We can we can add our own voices to this conversation. That's true. Brooke,
1: where is it landing on the queer quadrant for you?
0: This is a movie where the shadow of a dog in the mountains is the Kinsey scale <laughs> for an entire ranch.
1: Yeah.
0: Um uh-huh. And, I mean... So, what if you're bi? Do you see, like, half a dog? I mean, I saw the whole dog. I I think it's, like, queer, non-queer. You Mm, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, everything about this film, it's, like, digging into such deep themes and like I said you know that I love a film where like some fucked up gay shit happens as opposed to just like nice gay shit shit shit. happens (laughs) but what I like about this movie is that I do feel like it is a triumph like I said but also is in conversation with like the state of like what it was like to be queer at the time but is not like this horribly bleak depressing thing um Mm -hmm. but is also like a very like you know powerful (laughs) genre piece. Um, I don't know. I, what am I going to say? It's five stars. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love it. I think what was fascinating is, uh, I'll say another friend of the pod, Phil, a Phil, a Phil, from yes, Burbank. Phil Tice, um, our friend. So we, w- he was tweeting, and we were talking about like how he didn't read a lot of the queer subtext, and like we got into a little bit on Twitter. Yeah, that was very interesting. And I've been thinking about that, mm-hmm. and like yeah. how some people watch this and like don't pick up on the queer subtext, and some people do. And I was thinking about that like with my first watch, and how I definitely knew that it was gonna be gay, and I wasn't sure how gay. But we had the um, pre-existing
0: knowledge, right? Exactly, you know? and then yeah. sort of
1: finishing the first watch, be like, oh, that was gay. Uh, cool, liked it a lot, like, obviously, and I found this watch way more queer, yeah. and I think it's sort of, was, like, almost, you were, like, impossible to sort of ignore just from the, like, from the get, and, like, you immediately pick up on, like, Phil's lingering glances and just how much he talks about Bronco Henry and wanting to get topped by him and just sort of Don't everything we all? Don't we all? <laughs> that like pervades throughout this entire movie. I just, it's just has this queer energy and storyline. And I think that I, a lot of it is due to Ben uh, Benedict Jesus. I was gonna say Ben Affleck, my God, Benedict Cumberbatch is like, <laughs> A very selfless performance and i think he imbues it with such care and knowledge and awareness of like the character's queerness so i think i'm gonna agree with you brooke I yeah don't, i think it's might have fun i mean if, I, right? don't,
0: I don't know why you're even
2: questioning it i'm like, not that I, is
1: damn <laughs> take me to the ranch i'm telling
2: you um, laura yeah let's saddle up let's go let's saddle <laughs> yeah. up let's go <laughs> Yeah, shall I weigh in because like no, yes, yes please. Yes. Hard 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 I mean hard agree, obviously. Like Ye freaking hard. I mean it's just also so fun because like Jane Campion, like obviously we've touched on this a little bit, but like she generally makes films about women. Like this is her first one with a male protagonist. And this is really the first film she's made exclusive, well, almost exclusively about the relationship between men. Like, Mm. she loves to make films about relationships between men and women and, like, the weird, like, sexual power dynamics, like, all that stuff, which is, like, really juicy and fun. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But this is, like, just something really exciting and new and different from her and something that she can, like, clearly, like, really lend her voice to. Mm. And it's still, like, a lot of the themes that she's really interested in, but just, like, but gay. It's everything you would want from a gay Jane Campion movie. Like, How lucky are we to to have this in our lives, to, to live in this time? It's, it's a beautiful thing.
1: <laughs> I love it so much. Oh
2: my god, yeah. As soon as I finished reading the book, I was just like, this is gonna be fucking great. Like, I can totally see why she just, like, could not forget this book. It just had this grip on her imagination. She was like, mm. okay, I'm gonna have to make it. Like, yeah. by hook and by crook, we're gonna do it. Like, we're not gonna let a pandemic stop it you know like production got halted for like three months or something yeah yeah um, and they all got stuck in new zealand um which not I mean, a bad not place bad, to be great, Especially like, because quite like,
0: and new zealand had like far and away the best right. pandemic response for like yes. four months after they're like oh yeah we oh, have yeah, like zero again, yeah. cases we're open again it's crazy um mm.
1: it's yeah. also one of the few it's so interesting watching pandemic movies where You can watch one and you can definitely be like, oh, this was filmed during a pandemic. And, like, you can tell certain things about, Mm -hmm. like, whether how small it is or it's just, like, at least for me, like, you could kind of pick up on these things. Absolutely, like, none of that here It all feels so cohesive and put together and so singular in vision that you it's astounding that there was such a long production break which is kind of amazing
0: i think it works the the film works to like the pandemic's benefit because it is very insular and like is all taking place on this ranch and obviously you have like the group of cowboys but like i mean think about how much we talked about like the four lead actors like it really is this sort of like four pronged like power play between like them (laughs) without like too much scale to it, even though the actual like visual scope and everything is like so expansive. So I think they got very lucky and it really like, God, it just looks so fucking good I think yeah. that this film is really gonna like stand the test of time um and like we said the more you watch it the more you uncover and I love a film like that where it mm-hmm. hits for you on first watch like there were so many critics coming out of like initial screenings being like yeah this is like what this film is about and they totally like hit the nail on the head but then like also the more you watch it the the, the more it reveals itself to you it's it makes me very happy we are very lucky to be living during this period
1: of time amazing
2: yeah i I mean we had to go through a pandemic but we got a gay jane campion movie so you know swings and roundabouts is what i'm (laughs) saying now all we need
1: is like a lesbian jane campion movie like give us some girl girl love story
2: tortured romance let's go Let's go! Oh, please, 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 she, please, yeah. She is so
0: good at these like very intimate relationships, and like as we saw from this movie, like putting that through a queer lens like right. has paid off really well. So yeah. I would, I would love to see her tackle it from like the other side, essentially. Yeah. Um, that would rock. We'll keep you all updated. We will. Yeah, <laughs> Laura, literally, thank you so much for being here. A delight. Such thank an you honor for
2: having me. This was so much fun. Oh, like I feel like we really, we really got into so many, so many juicy. Some juicy gay things it was great (laughs) yeah
0: I feel like we did this movie justice
2: which is hard to do
0: um but yeah Yeah. I don't know props to us anyway you are amazing obviously people should check out more of your work not only campion specific but um where can people find you and what are you up to
2: I'm doing bits here and there for little white lies I appeared on their podcast this week talking about some great new releases and uh also for film club we did brief encounter so if you want to hear me gush about how brief encounter is secretly a queer film um, That's check out Jordan's Truth in like the movies. Whole is that your thing? thing? Oh I my god. I love
1: that movie so fucking much.
2: And you also think oh, it's like secretly yes. queer. Yeah yeah. 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 I yeah, of added course it. Is. It's, it's written do, do, by do, do, Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's also so, like
1: 90 minutes on the dot. or
2: It's like so hotter. short. It's so hot. <laughs> it's it's just the best it's just the best movie ever um so yep i talked about that recently on truth and movies the little white lies podcast um, you can find me on twitter at Laura underscore Venning. um uh, for more queer takes on classics old and new you, you can find me there
0: <laughs> beautiful absolutely love
2: it um we are
0: also on twitter i'm a and per- on a ranch and on a ranch and in the mountains <laughs> the-
1: we are the shadow looming over we are the shadow over. of the
0: dog um <laughs> I'm a Brookby Solomon Jordan H. Gus and the power of us together is at queer quadrant (laughs) and you can find this podcast on Spotify and on Apple and on the ranch and wherever else (laughs) you care to get your podcasts Um, drop us a rate or a review or a subscribe or all three anthrax covered Uh, please don't (laughs) you can tweet at us tell us if you saw the dog or not we have to put up Mm. a poll because like I've talked to some people and they're like I didn't see it and I'm like how did you not see it so we'll have to run we'll have to run a poll yeah um, I am telling you, the, the, you this, see the Kinsey day. scale of the American West. And, you know, let us know what you think about this film and what you might want to see us cover in the future. What
1: are we covering in the future?
0: Um next week, oh my god, it's a solo app, very surprising. I think this um, is kind of
1: a thematic tie. It is a thematic film,
0: tie. <laughs> next week we are covering 2009's Sherlock Holmes. Hey! Um, oh my god, yes. that's so fun. A
1: different Sherlock for sure.
0: One of three <laughs> mid-aughts Sherlock properties that dominated popular culture, yes. the other two being of course Sherlock and Elementary. It's going to be a good time. I'm Cannot very excited. Can't wait
1: to rewatch I this movie. I love that
0: movie. Um, Um, So tune in next week for that. It's going to be great.
1: Brooke, of course, do you have anything you would like to leave our cowboys with?
0: Uh, Just remember, if you see the dog, that means you're gay.
1: Bark, bark.
0: (laughs) Woof,
2: woof. Arf, arf, arf.